Hello and welcome to Das Nostalgia Podcast, episode 15. As usual, I'm your host, Anatoly, and today, tonight, or whatever, I have another very, very special guest with me. Sir, please introduce yourself. Hello, my name's Jake. Um, you can find me on Twitter as at a lonely blue box. Um, and I'm a retro gaming enthusiast. Yay. Uh, pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Um, so, Jake, what are we going to talk about today? Well, today we're going to speak about something quite close to my my addiction, gaming addiction, that is. <laughs> um, real, real-time strategies. Nice. Nice. Uh, I'm very excited about this. I... Uh, although I dabbled in the genre a little bit, just I think like everybody did in the nineties when when the, when it became you know like a, a big thing. Uh, I don't think I actually have played um, that many uh, real time uh, strategies. But before we go into that, do you uh, remember your first experience with like MS DOS gaming or IBM PC or compatible? I I do indeed. Um. Now, uh, I was I was lucky in in when I was growing up to have a lot of friends that had computers. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, one one of my good friends, we actually had a bit of an arms race going at one stage where he'd upgrade his computer, I'd see what he'd upgraded it to, and I'd upgrade mine to be faster. <laughs> and that that went on for about seven years straight. Wow. <laughs> but but the fir- first gaming was actually a, a mutual friend of ours. Um, his name was Gavin, and his his um, parents had a a computer. I'm not sure what the computer was, but it, it sticks out in my mind really, really well because unlike a lot of computers that I've seen that are of equal age, it sort of well, it was an old uh, 8086 mm-hmm. era computer mm-hmm. with a monochrome display. Nice. But the monochrome wasn't the usual green and black. It uh-huh. was orange and black which which sort of stood out to me uh-huh. but the, the memory was uh, it was a very very old who framed Roger Rabbit game oh god uh, and uh, all I can remember of it is just seeing the, the, the cartoon car sort of bouncing its way along from one side of the screen to the other <laughs> I can't remember anything else of it other than that um, but but that that started me off and then we went to yeah, went went in and my we we my family always had computers for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. We started off not not DOS related, so I started off on a Commodore sixty four, mm-hmm. which so many people did. Oh yeah, great um, machine! I uh, I have one within my arm's reach right now. <laughs> I, I unfortunately do not. It's it's on my list of things to to grab, which is also what my second computer is on. The list of things to grab, which is an Atari ST, Ooh, was nice. my second computer, and I have a very, very special fondness for the for the little green desktop. <laughs> um, after that, that's where I got introduced to PC gaming. Um, I, I had played that that Roger Rabbit game uh, <laughs> that I mentioned, but we, yeah, that my family, my mother, ran a secretarial business. Uh huh. Um, so a typist for for people, and she got a computer. Right. It was a 16 megahertz 286. Nice. It was amazing. Yes, 
<laughs> and the the very first games that I put onto that computer, Commander Keen one, two, and three, <laughs> and then then there was a whole whole heap of other sort of games from around that era. Right, that, right. Yeah, and I, I'm a retro hardware enthusiast mainly. I, sp- I actually spend more time building the older computers than I do actually playing on them, <laughs> which is. Yeah, but that that two eighty six had a VGA graphics card in it. Nice. Um, but yeah, and uh, I can go on and on about every step we went from there with the upgrades. But um, no, that's, that <laughs> seems like, that seems like a pretty uh, pretty good um, uh, pretty good uh, beginning. You know, um, actually, uh, I guess it's uh, about the same for for many people I know, like early nineties two eighty six. You know, because two eighty sixes at that time weren't you know, expensive. Yeah. Uh, well, at the time we got our 286, they were expensive. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was sort of a very, very, very early 386, no one could afford it era. So, at like, a 286, I believe, um, I, I could be wrong, this is going from a very, very old memory, but I believe it was around the $7,000 mark that, that my my parents had paid for this computer. Yikes! Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, it was. It was a. It was very close to being a top end machine of the time. Wow. Uh, it's it's pretty pretty interesting and and still still in the in the in the early nineties in the Commander Keen days. Yeah. Um, well, as I said, I didn't. As as a young kid, I wasn't allowed to touch. Oh, the, the shop okay, shows. okay. So that would explain it for okay. some time. Yeah. Okay. So I've <laughs> so, thought, so I thought like, hmm, okay, circa circa ninety one to eighty six wasn't wasn't already that that new. Just to give a, a bit of context, I, I'm actually thirty two years old, mm-hmm. despite my youthful voice, oh. which I'm not sure if it's coming through over the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope it is. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure how that would, uh, affect anything really. <laughs> like, mo- most of the people on my, who I had on my podcast, with the exception of maybe a couple, are about that age, so. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a good age to be. It's pretty much, I think that's, that's like a good age for a lot of, uh, sort of people who remember DOS gaming fondly, you know, people who started playing games as, as kids on, on PCs. So they have like a real nostalgic, uh, connection to it versus, you know, I was, uh, a college student and, uh, you know, got a PC, you know, there's, there's a bit of difference. But, but having said that, there's also a big difference between the, the technology of your former country. Yes. Um, Russia and, <laughs> yes. and Australia. Yes. Um, Australia, I, I will point out that Australia has traditionally, uh, things cost a lot in Australia. Right. Um, th- things are not cheap. So while, while we would have paid, you know, six or seven thousand dollars for this computer, you may have only paid around. Oh, no, know, no, 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 no. Around four thousand or less. I, I was just going by America. normal, normal standards of the, of yeah. the world kind of thing. In Russia, things were very different and I don't even want to go into. Yeah. Yeah. Into that whole thing. That's like another, yeah. uh, just a spiral down. I, 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 yeah, I, I've listened to the podcast. Yeah. All, all, all of the podcasts. Oh, uh, 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 but, uh, yeah, it's really hard to describe the, the, the situation, especially financially, especially in 1991, the country like sort of collapsed. Uh, so yeah. yeah, there was that. Okay. So let's get into our 
topic. And I think right in the beginning, things are sort of very interesting. Yeah, it's it's, it's quite a, a murky beginning because it's sort of a, a blur of what is a, a real-time strategy and what isn't. It's sort of a very That's blurry right. point at the start. And I, I, will, I, I would like to say that... Um, uh, well, w- we're going to start with the... Uh, you know, because we're talking about DOS specifically, but we're going to start uh, with the ancient, the ancient art of war, uh, nineteen, which came out in nineteen eighty four. Yes, but a lot of people will point out that there is other real time strategy games on other platforms. Yeah, and while that's technically true, I kind of, I you look at them and you're like, yes, it's a strategic game and it takes place in real time. But the elements are so primitive that calling yeah, it like the first real-time strategy is, is 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 a really big stretch. It's like you know what there were first-person shooters before Wolfenstein. You know there were first-person games where you shoot things. The Ancient Art of War, though, uh, is a real-time strategy game with like there's with units. And real time and battles. So like, I always consider the ancient art of war the first real, real time strategy, which is really weird because like it predates Dune 2 by, by eight years. And it's yeah. actually a really, really cool game. I'd like to point out that it was created by everywhere who are, I think mostly if people know them, they're known them from the Sierra. Uh, Manhunter games, which are also kind of genre-breaking uh, things, or maybe even like a, a, a super ultra-rare cult... Cl- I, I can't call it the classic, but Space Dude or Space Kids. And everybody's kind of forgotten the Ancient Art of War series, even though there's three games uh, in the series. But yeah, I'm... I, I'm uh, Actually, nobody can get in touch with the Murrays. Uh, they're still around. Uh, but it's really interesting how that family sort of uh that family's input into gaming history yeah see see now you, you mentioned the ancient art of war now mm-hmm. i i couldn't actually ob- obtain or find a, a dos version of that so i actually didn't include it on my list because um you know as as you know it's a, a dos nostalgia podcast so right yeah i uh, if i could have found a a copy of it for DOS, I would have actually put that first on my list. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's in- interesting you say about the everywhere because uh, one, one thing that that sort of lacks in my knowledge is actually knowledge of the developers beyond their name. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know it, those, those are very early days of the gaming DOS gaming. So and that's sort of an area that I haven't hugely touched on. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the ancient. Uh, Art of War at Sea, which is the the sequel to the Ancient Art of War. Um, that that was actually my first real time strategy game I ever touched. Uh, that's interesting. I actually have never played any of the sequels. Well, I haven't actually. I don't think I've ever touched Ancient Art of War at Sea. And I and I played the Ancient Art of War in the Skies, which is a weird title. Just a few days ago, very briefly, and I was actually surprised, despite the the time difference, how similar. They are, but uh, for our listeners, I would like to actually describe, because like you think about it, it's 1984, right? It's like 30 years, over 30 years ago now. And 
what you have is you have uh, various terrain with like mountains, land, and uh, water, and you have units moving on the map, and you have to overtake your opponent. It's a very simple game, but um, you move your cursor with the keyboard um, on the map and give units instructions to move somewhere uh, in real time. You actually you have the time sort of meter where you can sort of speed up. You can change the speed of, of the time flow. And once the units sort of collide with the enemy units, you either can watch the computer play out the battles, like from afar, uh, which usually doesn't work in your favor. Uh, or you can zoom in and um, you have three different types of units. Uh, I think it's like barbarians, knights, and archers. And you can give those separate units commands and you also can change on the overhead map you can change the formation of the units even and all that is actually taken into the account although you see the battles play out the terrain uh and the battle uh, and the unit sort of the squad formation actually affects the outcome of the battle you know more significantly probably than your orders that you give but everything is in real time you have units you have formations you know, there's a lot of strategy going on in this relatively simple game. Uh, it's a very revolutionary sort of thing, uh, which somehow did not really catch on. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, I think it's a very, like, it's a very simplistic game, but I would say to people, for people to seek it out, uh, I actually recently found out there's like an updated version of it with VGA graphics, because original is in CGA, obviously, 1984. Uh, I never knew that there was an update. That I've never seen it. I uh, I've never touched it. But apparently, it, it's out there. The graphics are a little bit prettier. But you don't really need the graphics. Honestly, that game could have been in, in text mode. Although, uh, due to Murray's, it's it's always like those weird, cartoony, uh, violent uh, I- imagery. But yeah, I, I like that game. Yeah. It, it, well, well, moving on to the ancient art of war and see, mm-hmm. it's it's a very very similar game. It's just instead of on land, you're in on the sea, mm-hmm. obviously, and you sort of sort of pick a pick your captains, and then um, basically tell your ships where to go. And you, yeah, very very similar sort of thing. It's yeah, I, I was actually when I I had only played it like once, maybe twice in the past, and then I I revisited it in the last few weeks as were as I was researching for this podcast, and and yeah, I was quite surprised that not only um well uh, the game itself but how how advanced it was considering the the time it came out mm-hmm. yeah um, it, it is a simplistic game as we think of it now but if you look at it back at then it, it was just mind blowing i mean obviously i was quite young when i first played it and i just couldn't understand it and when i revisited um ancient art of war at sea it it was just it it just blew me away again. I was just wow. Yeah. Um, I did have a bit of trouble getting it to run because I, I like to run most of my games on the on the, the my actual old hardware. Machine. Yeah, yeah. But I, the four eighty six is the slowest machine I have at the moment. Mm-hmm. Although I will be building up a three eighty six in the uh, mid medium term. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I ended up having to resort to DOSBox and to slow it right down because it was just 
unplayably fast. Yeah, all those 80s games on, on real hardware, you need to get uh, most slow. Uh, even, and even that sometimes uh, is not too reliable. Yeah, uh, all those like 80s games are sometimes tough to run because they, they rely on the, on the internal timer. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, un- un- unlike you know, unless it's Alley Cat, which is like I think the, the fir- first and only game that really nailed it. You can actually boot if you actually got the actual booter title. You can boot any modern machine with it, and it will run at perfect speed. That game is perfectly programmed. Oh, that that game that has some awesome memories for me because oh, that yeah. that was also in the the list of the first games that actually <laughs> went on to to my mother's computer. Oh, it's, it's, it's an amazing game. <laughs> Ah, oh, just just jump jumping into that room with the big cheese. Yes, yeah. There were some amazing games in the eighties, and yeah, Ancient Art of War at Sea. Just yeah, I was, it surprised me a lot. I was not expecting something that that kind of complex and advanced mm-hmm. for that old. It's it's definitely worth having a look at. Yeah, I do recommend that our listeners literally really look up. I mean, we're going to go chronologically and I guess there's a bit of a gap uh in between, but uh I suggest that the listeners do look up all three games. It's The Ancient Art of War, The Ancient Art of War in this, uh, The Ancient Art of War at Sea and The Ancient Art of War in the skies, which I, I think is a really silly title, but uh, <laughs> uh, but they yeah. all play the same. Um, they all published by different companies, uh, I think. Uh, uh, at I'm least not sure it, about published, but they they were all developed. By oh everywhere. yeah, they, they were everywhere. And you know, in the first the first two games, I think it's uh, just Dave Murray and, and Barry Murray, and in the last game, uh, D.D. Murray also joins up. It's uh, only three people. Uh, and, um, uh, the last game, I think Ancient Art of War in the Skies is actually published by Microprose. Uh, and the first two, I think, are Broderbund. Uh, not too sure anymore. But, uh, yeah, look all of them up. They're very interesting games, uh, mechanically. And as simplistic as they are, they're also surprisingly complex. Especially you, if you factor in that the first game came out, you know, now, Thirty-one years ago, it's just insane to think. Thirty, I mean, thirty-one years ago. That's it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's almost as old as I am. Yeah, right. And those games are surprisingly complex, especially comparing with other games from from nineteen eighty-four. I mean, come on, Uh, it's really cool. Look it up, people. Yeah, just I also recommend them. It's it's also one thing about them is that they they're still really easily playable. Mm Hmm. Um, once you get the interf- front it in DOS yeah. box and slow it down, yeah, the, um, the, inter- still- the interface is a bit clunky because uh, you point with the with the arrows and you need to know what the keys are. You know, like M to move and which keys to get. I mean, they all kind of well, make sense. Well, I, I actually found at least with the ancient art of war at sea, you you didn't need to know the the, the M keys and whatnot. You you just had to select the units and. And if you clicked on it, it would bring up the menu, and then you'd just press the first letter of the yeah, thing. So of the, the word, it, yeah. it was very, very intuitive. Yeah, one, it's intuitive. One thing I, I, um, not not as intuitive as it could be, but <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's still. I I didn't need to look at the manual to figure out how to play it. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's true. You can figure it out. I didn't have yeah, any um, manuals back then, so so and and I figured it out. I'm just saying. Stick with it, people. It's it's really re- rewarding, actually, just because it's so simplistic yet complex enough for you to actually feel that you, you are, you know, uh, 
sort of uh, uh, taken over the territories and you feel accomplished even though it's a relatively simplistic game yeah it was quite quite interesting um, shall we move on to the next one on our list yes there's a whole bunch yep. that I haven't played, so that's all you. Yeah, it's a, I mean, a lot of these I've only briefly touched on just for research, just to you know get get a, a bit of an idea of how the genre progressed during the years. So the next one on our list was Modem Wars, which, uh, as you've noted here, you haven't played. Um, I, I only briefly touched on it because it, it's it's a bit unusual. It's it's a game from 1988, and its primary focus. Is multiplayer right? Um, it it actually it it actually is harder to play it single player than it is to actually set up a a, a two player modem game. <laughs> That's the name Modem Wars. It's sort of it's 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 a lot of the reason why I didn't spend a lot of time on it. Um, it's 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 an EGA game, but it's it's quite primitive looking. Um, it, it's it's almost like at first it seems like an RTS version of the board game Stratego if you've ever mm-hmm. played that. Um, but but then I found keys that that brought up other screens that that offered you other options that I didn't go into a whole lot. But it, it seems like it could be a lot more complex than than it first looks like. Um, but yeah, once. Once again, uh, I didn't spend too much time on it, and the little that I played at it, I was terrible at it. So it was <laughs> quite, quite, quite an interesting thing. I, I think I might revisit it um, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when I have more time and and you know, more patience. Right. Now, the next game on the list is sort of one of those ones that really blurs the line. Mm-hmm. Um, also another 1988 game. Um, it's J.R.R. Tolkien's War in Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it w- once again another EGA game. It 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 seemed like the, the overworld map was was real time, um, and then it sort of when you got into combat, it went down to sort of a a 2D side scrolling kind of battle thing where you you listed commands and they would follow do it so it's sort of it is sort of a I would think maybe more like might and magic mm-hmm. in real time uh, so we won't won't stay on this one for very right. long yeah I, I haven't played it I've heard about it and I always wanted to try but I never got around to any of the uh, um, sort of uh, Lord of the Rings games at all I don't think I don't think I ever played one in my life yeah, um, I don't know if I'd recommend this because I haven't spent enough time with it to to really get a, get a good feel for it. Mm-hmm. Now, uh-huh. the, the 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 next one that's um, a big one. Um, yeah, it it is a big one. Nineteen eighty eight again? No, nineteen eighty nine. Sorry, a a little company by the name of Bullfrog mm-hmm. released an amazing game. Yes. Um, Populous. Uh-huh. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let let you go first on this one. Well, I am actually. Uh, I, I, how do I put it? I, I suck at it, so like I I <laughs> I, I never really uh, got into uh, Bullfrog strategy games uh, that much. But um, Populous is actually a pretty amazing title. I mean, I I, I expect that most of our listeners 
if not all, will know what I'm talking about. But um, Populous is essentially uh, sort of what we now call the God game. And I guess that's actually directly even uh, a God because you play a God in that game. And you have this sort of little window with a landscape and you have your hand and you can uh, raise and drop the terrain and you can assign uh, various roles to your units that you don't ex- exactly control uh and uh the, again it's it's a pretty simple game uh concept wise but it's it's pretty well executed technically i mean the whole landscape thing is pretty impressive uh despite if you play it nowadays you're like window is a bit too small you know the the the, the viewport of the actual thing that you get to yeah. see in 3D is really tiny um uh but uh, and the game is really hard <laughs> but but the concept both the concept and the execution is especially thinking if it's you know it's 1989 so they they both very very solid so you're a god you raise and drop ground essentially and uh uh and uh, you sort of uh, take care of your of your little little people that run around yeah, well, as you say, it's it's a god game, and you sort of you you play it by not directly um, telling your you know, your followers or your units what to do. You 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 alter the landscape and give them suggestions mm-hmm. on what they should do. Um, it was I, I must admit it's been so long since I played it originally because I that was one of the the early games that I actually bought. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I bought it. A long time after it was released, um, I actually bought it in a pack with Populous One and Populous Two. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah, it, it, it's been that long since I've played it that I, when I came to revisit it, I'd forgotten how to play it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, the, the and interface is really clunky. I'm, I'm gonna say yep. that's what I forget about it. Oh, well, actually, no, I don't forget it, but it's, uh, <laughs> uh, and I will say that Populous Two really haven't, besides with the exception of graphics, I don't think Populous Two actually improved. Um, much. The only thing that I only recently learned, uh, Populous 2 actually has, um, 640 by 480, um, 16 color VGA support. It has a high, it's one of the few games that actually has, um, a full page, uh, VGA, you know, uh, support where you can actually play that yeah. game in high res, which I did not know. Because uh, um, by default I, I it runs remember. in in three. <laughs> by default it runs in three uh, three twenty by by two hundred VGA two fifty six color, but you can switch it to six forty by four eighty sixteen color, and it looks great. I, I wish I'd known that when I was testing it out. I I might have spent a bit more time in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but other than that, it's pretty much the same game. And I think the second one really didn't didn't really make any necessary improvements that needed to be except for yes the viewport is larger and it looks better uh but and i actually think the second one is i think is even harder uh yeah, yeah. so th- those are my memories of the two populous games yeah no the, the the second populous game um at least in my memory it was a lot harder uh it looked better mm-hmm. and that's about it. it it was uh i mean i could be wrong but you know this is a, a very old memory, but um, it it did not improve other than than looks and yeah, that's my and memory as well. I I also could be wrong, but I think I'm we're both right pretty much. But I would recommend them. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I would be more inclined to recommend Populous 2 over Populous, mm-hmm. um, j- just just because it's easier to live with um, graphics-wise, so you yeah. can actually you have a bigger viewport, which which really does help. Mm-hmm. And if you can look up, uh, this is heads up for, for everyone, which I wish somebody told me 20 years ago that uh, you can actually play it in higher resolution. So look up how to do that, Google it. Uh, I, I should say, use the search engine of your choice to find how to run it in higher res and, and check it out. I mean, check out the original as well, just to see where things kind of started. I mean, it's a very fascinating yeah. game. Yeah, no, it's it, it's some it's one that I'm going to revisit at some point. Uh, but now, now next on the list um, is one that I I didn't really get get much of a, a feel for. I, I really think it's some a game that I'm going to have to actually find a manual for and read through the manual before I try mm-hmm. it again. Because um, I'm not even after trying it, I'm not even sure that it is a real-time strategy game. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was, yeah, it was in my research. It was listed as a real-time strategy game, but then some of the games that I found on my list, as you know, didn't actually turn out to be um, <laughs> real-time strategy games unless you really stretch the definition of it. Yeah. Um, but the next game is from 1990. It's Supremacy. Um, your will be, uh, your will be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't and, played it. Yeah, it, it it came across as as a bit of a Master of Orion type game, but as I said, I, I was not really sure um, how the hell to play it, <laughs> so I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in it. Um, so it, it's one that I'm going to revisit. So, but now the next the next game is another bullfrog title. It's another bullfrog title. Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting one. Uh, it's, it's a little game called Powermonger. Powermonger is basically a battle-centered populace. Uh, but, two things. First of all, the interface is even worse. Uh, it's oh, really God. difficult, um, to, to, to sort of control your units. All you do is you're now sort of a general and you order your units to either attack or or, or eat because uh, you also have to worry about your food supply uh, for your groups. Um, the interesting things about it, it's actually in 3D. Uh, like you have a little tiny viewport like you do in, in Populous, but also it has like various um, weather things, like sometimes the rain will start or snow and the landscape, but you can also actually rotate that viewport at will, left and right, uh, which is, you know, coming coming out, uh, what's like a year apart from Populous is, yeah. is, is pretty intense. Another interesting thing about it, I actually own that game for Sega Genesis or Mega Drive, uh, uh, depending on where you are. And just as you might imagine, a game like that, um, running on Mega Drive, yes, it's slow and <laughs> without, without the mouse, it's even worse to control. They tried to streamline the interface, but they made it even, uh, I don't know. So it's impossible <laughs> to play on Genesis. Very impressive with the 3D landscapes and everything. Um, but I cannot, recommend it um, um, unlike unlike Populous because 
I don't know. There's just something missing. You don't really do much. You just um, sort of take over things and occasionally find battles, but mostly spend time like sort of catching sheep and uh, just something about it. Uh, there's a lot of like really useless features. Like it, it seems like a lot of it went into concept and design and not a lot of it has been sort of thought through. So it's not really interesting to play i'd say check it out if you're just interested in like sort of bullfrog history but it's sort of like a, a title of theirs that everyone kind of forgot about yeah see now i i didn't get to actually play this one because i couldn't get it to run uh just just wouldn't run in dosbox for me or on my actual hardware so i i, I didn't get a chance to actually you know read up about it either i knew it came out on Mega Drive, but I didn't really touch on it. But it does sound like it was one of the games that sort of, well, it didn't become really that that popular. No, it, it was also it was also it was one of those ones that sort of brought something new to the table, but didn't quite. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't, it, it didn't it, quite it, deliver. It's it's interesting. I guess that's you know like Molyneux and and the team sort of like wanted to sort of update their 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 game into like a different kind of thing and it failed and I guess they sort of resorted to the safe thing and, and released a sequel to to Populous Next. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Uh, understandably yeah. so, but uh, yeah, that's the one that sort of Bullfrog really is not known for. Yeah. Now now the the, the next game on our list, um it it's it's a it's another Lord of the Rings um, themed game. It's it's J.R.R. Tolkien's Writers of Rohan. Now it was released in 1991. Um, I think it might be EGA. It might be VGA 16 color. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Um, I never did actually look into that part of it. But it, it, it's one straight off the bat. I will recommend that you go have a look at it. Mm, nice. I'll check it out. Because um, I haven't it, played it. Yeah. It, it's once again, similar to the earlier War in Middle Earth, um, it, it sort of starts off sort of in a world view when you you move your your units around in real time. But this time, they're they're armies of the Riders of Rohan, so horse horse mounted um, infantry, and you move them around and you, know, you you battle Saruman's army and and whatnot. But it, it was. I thought it was going to be a repeat of the the war in Middle Earth when I got to combat, but it, it just was not. It was it was night and day. It looked similar at the stage. You move your your troops around, but once I actually got into combat, it actually zoomed down into a smaller map view, and you actually still controlled the the unit similarly. But and then I, I sort of first time I attacked something. My my troops were routed, but instead of them being all wiped out and dead, I lost you know a, a few hundred of the the you know twelve hundred or so horsemen in it, and then they retreated for for a brief period of time, and then I could actually bring them back into battle again. That was that was a really unique sort of mechanic, and it uh, once again I was absolutely terrible at it, um, <laughs> but it was it was very very interesting. Um, it's definitely worth um, looking into further. I'm, I'm mm. going to have a, a further play of it. It's mm. yeah, it's it's quite interesting, and it's yeah. You know, as you say, as I said, it's 
it's a bit more of a progression of that older game but without the sort of RPG style elements to it and more the the war mongering elements <laughs> it, was, it was quite interesting I'm definitely going to return to that one and I recommend all the listeners should do the same alright yeah definitely I'll check it out um well, I'll, I'll let you introduce the next um, game on our list. All right. Well, the next it's, game it's a big one. on our list is pretty much the big one for <laughs> RTS, and it's uh, of course is uh, Dune Two, developed by Westwood and published by Virgin in 1992. And the only reason it's called Dune Two is because uh, uh, a French studio, Cryo, uh, beat. <laughs> Westwood, um, and that that uh, that other Doom game was also published by by uh, by Virgin um, in America only a few months prior in 1992 as well. So we have two Doom games in the, in the same year, and in order to avoid confusion, the publisher decided to change one of them to to Dune Two. Yeah, that is Dune Two is Wolfenstein. You know what Wolfenstein 3D is to first person shooters. Uh, Dune 2 is to real time, is that to real time strategy games. It established so many genre conventions at the same time that I would say even today, well not I would say, I'd say even today the majority of, of RTS games pretty much just follow that template, which is essentially to me what the death of the RTS genre is. You know, they're not They've kind of for longest time, for like a, a good decade, they were pretty much just Dune 2 clones. Uh, uh, until we sort of started inventing sort of other different things. But yeah, Dune 2 is this game. And uh, if you, by all means, listeners, if you have not played Dune 2, you need to do that. It's, it's a beautiful game. Like just starting from before we even get to the gameplay, it's a, it's a, it's a 90s Westwood game, so it looks gorgeous, right? The art is absolutely amazing. It has music by Frank Klipaki, uh, 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 which sounds spectacular on Sound Blaster. And as an RTS, nowadays it doesn't really hold up as much anymore, just because we've, we've made certain, we learn of certain things because of Dune 2 that we then uh you know applied to to further rts games but it's still very very playable very approachable and uh i mean gameplay wise it's that uh, it's a game that that combined battles and building which is was what it sort of brought to the genre which is what the genre really sticks with now you know you build your bases you build your barracks you you, you build your spice collection facilities you 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 build you build more things all while you're fighting off the enemies to eventually build up your army big enough so you can go and destroy their base that's really um the the gameplay and it it does it really really well it's that that game where units talk you know you when you select them when you give them the order so it's really established all of the uh sort of uh all of the rules of that rts you know with building uh things uh genre yeah no it, it was an amazing game i sort of i, I actually came to this um game june to um Quite a time, quite a bit of time after it actually was released. It was, it was only after I played one of the 
the later games in our list that I actually went back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't mention what game that is, but I, I'm sure you can guess. Um, now, it, it was, yeah, it, it was just, it just blew me away. I, I didn't know at the time that I found Dune two, I'd actually recently read the book Dune, mm-hmm. and and the the smell of the spice sands were very <laughs> very prevalent 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 in my in my nose right right at the time where I loaded that up and it was just it was just an experience um at the time the computer that I had um it had a sound card that was sound blaster compatible mm-hmm. um but the midi side of things did just didn't sound as good as a, a genuine sound blaster um but I, I as you said the music in it was just yeah, it's just amazing. Oh yeah, I I love the music. Oh, in it. it's great. Um, I, I'd be interesting to I'd be interested to hear what it actually sounds like on, say, a Roland MT. Well, the thing is, it's not. <clears throat> here's the thing, and now we we know that that was actually uh, the case because some someone recently there was an interview with Frank Klipaki recently. So, um, it's not really MIDI. Um. Well, there are two um, two versions of that of that soundtrack. There there is a MT32 version, and and there is the adlib slash sound blaster uh, thing. It was uh, it was uh, if I recall the interview correctly composed for the sound blaster slash adlib. So it's an it's an OPL soundtrack, uh, which was later adapted to to MT32. Uh, and while yes, MT32 one sounds great and everything. Um, you know, Adlib, o- OPL2 has that very specific sort of sound that, because uh, Frank Klipaki was actually inspired by Cryo's game, uh, which ha- has probably the best Adlib soundtrack of all time, which is a, g- a game I'll recommend. Check out Dune 1, everybody. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough. It's a great game that time forgot. Um, but it has an amazing soundtrack for, specifically designed for Adlib Gold, actually. Uh, one of the, like, three games that actually took advantage of that. And, um, so Frank Lipaki was inspired by that and did the very sort of similar soundtrack. Not similar, but, uh, it, it has a lot of a sort of weirdness to it. And, you know, uh, OPL has only sort of, uh, uh, square waves. So, like, all those, drops uh, and everything you know it has a specific ad lib has a very specific sort of metallic noise that really adds to it and i think dune 2 actually takes advantage of that so like i prefer the sound blaster slash ad lib soundtrack uh and not the mt32 although mt32 is a superior card i think dune 2 sounds just great uh, on a regular sound blaster like that music is is like i'm talking about it and i'm thinking about that music the music just playing in my head it's so good and uh, in so many years i have not forgotten it it's it's great yeah uh, see, i see i i just in the past like up until this discussion i'd always just assumed that the mt32 one was one that it was actually supposed to sound like because like a lot of games from early in the dos era mm-hmm. midi was it, they were designed for the MT32 and then sort of, I don't know how to put it, sort of the quality was stepped down for, yes. for the, uh, for the lower. A lot of science. But like, uh, here's the thing with like Sound Blaster soundtracks, you know, those, those are not MIDI things. And if, 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 if the composer really wanted, worked with the, uh, specifically for the Sound Blaster, uh, 
you it know, could sound amazing. Yeah, of course. Well, there's especially early on. There's a lot of really amazing ad lib soundtracks, but that's a topic for another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, your thoughts on Dune too? Is that is that it or uh, you? Should... Yeah, it's it, it. It's basically you've summed it up. It was just an amazing game. I mean, it, it is a little bit dated now, but yes. it, it still holds up. I would like to point out the only way that it's really dated is. Uh, is the fact that you cannot you cannot drag and select multiple units like that is such a pain in the ass that each uh. command has to be given and it doesn't have contextual interface either you have to click on the unit then you have to in the in the sidebar select for that unit what to do and then click to where you want it executed uh you know and that is a major pain in the ass after <laughs> after you played all the modern strategies which by the way after that game pretty much the the next game that that took that concept and ran with it got rid of that that's like one thing they really did learn is <laughs> like we need to allow people to to drag and select multiple units and have some kind of a contextual commands where you don't have to click things on the sidebar. That's the only way Dune 2 is oh uh, is dated. And yeah, the AI well, cheats although, like hell. Yeah, although it did, it did take a couple of years for them to to get their head all around oh, the yeah. best way to do the drag and drop because there's a cer- certain game that's coming out soon that, yes. that, that while it did have the drag and select option, it, it was not the most convenient way to do it. Say. It's true, but uh, and also I'd like to point out uh, in the hashtag not DOS territory, Dune 2 actually has a really good conversion for uh, Genesis slash Mega Drive with uh, actually contextual interface um, uh, and uh, all all the graphics redone. Um, they're bigger, chunkier, the perspective is slightly different and it's actually uh, very fun to play. Dune 2, which is not called Dune 2, it's called Dune Battle for Arrakis, uh, um, versus, uh, on, on PC, the full title, I think it's Dune 2, uh, the building of the din- dynasty. So yeah, check out, uh, for a little curiosity, oddity, uh, Dune on Genesis or Mega Drive. It's actually lots of fun, and it's very different. The, the maps, it's, it's, it's unique, despite the fact that it's the same game, it's actually very well tailored. It's not just a simple conversion. No. Okay. Well, let, let's move on to the next one, which um, you've you've noted that you haven't played. It's a it's yeah. a game from 1992. Uh, it's by a by the developer Minecraft. That's that's M I N D craft, <laughs> uh, not Minecraft, as in the the, the soul sucking um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lego with with pickaxes game. Um, it, it's a game called Siege. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but it's sort of worth noting here because it, it's sort of the earliest version I, I can find of the tower defense genre. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't really a tower defense. It was a, you, you're in a castle and you pick which troops you want and, and then you place them where you want in the, in the castle and you defend. Um, and you, you could give your units orders, but it was sort of, it was like going, hey, can you please move here? And they'll decide whether they actually want to listen to you or not. Um, I don't know whether that was just the game playing up on my, my computer and not running properly because the game after a short while after did actually crash on me, but it, it's, it's a game that's definitely worth 
having a look at. I wouldn't recommend actually playing it because it, it did seem very shallow and and not quite worth actually spending a lot of time in. But it was it's certainly noteworthy in that it's it's. Uh, I could be wrong, but it's one of the very first um, tower defense games. Hmm. So, and uh, I have a quite a bit of hashtag not DOS, um, <laughs> quite a bit of time sunk into um, tower defense maps in Warcraft Three. Um, that 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 sucked a lot of my time up. But uh, we'll move on to the next title, mm-hmm. which is by developer Blue Byte. Oh boy! Uh, from yep, from nineteen ninety three. It's the settlers. Mm-hmm. Now, th- this is one that sort of falls a little bit into the grey area. I think we've discussed on on Twitter as well um, yeah. about whether it actually is RTS. Well, game well or... here's the thing. I I I normally wouldn't include pretty much any of those games, like Populous and Settlers and whatever a few ones that are coming up that are on your list into RTS. But uh, I tend to be very sort of I don't know. Yeah, constructive with my exactly genre d- definitions. Yeah, yeah, like uh, so. But since you have it on the list, hey, listen, let's talk about it yeah. because it's well, a it's, it's a it's a fun game. It it is. It's like I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with the first one, but we'll we'll touch on both the games, mm-hmm. Settlers One and Settlers Two, in this same one. Now, Set Settlers Two. I'll just actually find out when it was released. It's in my list, but it's much further down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the the second game was released in 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, it was more along the lines of, of populist than it would be your June two to the world. It was a, you, you could tell them, tell your units where to build things, and you could tell them what to attack, but you didn't have direct control over the actual people. Yeah, um, it, it was a. It's one it of those sort of, sort of, game. yeah, sort of like a almost almost populist like God game, but. You didn't like the the aspect of control is 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 different. You didn't drop the the you, you didn't raise the terrain or anything. You sort of just sort of flagged out where you want things built, and then you will sort of laid down the roads and the the, the all the fun. And by the way, uh, on PC it was released in '94, I believe, not in '93, because it's originally uh, an Amiga game. Ah, I think yep. it took them a whole year to like convert it. Uh, for PC, great graphics uh, yeah, in the first yeah, game, and it's really fun once you start building things and you start, you know, your sort of your land, your sort of empire grows. You see all those little people come out and do things, and that's like the yeah. main aspect of it. It's it's like super cute. <laughs> too. Yeah, it, it it's one of the it's one of those type of games where you you can spend a lot of time in it and it will be just relaxing to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, it can get a bit hectic once you actually get into battles, meet another another, yeah, yeah. another race and yeah. battles. But it, even so, it's sort of it's still a very thing. And and Settlers Two is, is a lot more of the same, except they've improved the interface and mm-hmm. they've way improved the graphics. Mm-hmm. It, it went went from from regular VGA graphics to SVGA graphics up to. Um, 1024 by 768. Which I could not run at the, at the time. But, uh, <laughs> I will say, I will say for the, in first game's defense, first game looks great. Um, yeah, no. Uh, well, both of them look great. Yeah, oh um, no, the second game looks amazing. Yeah. It, I, I just actually, I, I actually, once again, it was another one that I actually 
stepped back to. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually started off on the second one first. I was a- around at a friend's place, and his dad, who, fun, uh, as a, a side story, he actually was the one that introduced me to Red Baron. Oh, great game. <laughs> yeah, it, it was amazing. I, I sunk so many hours of my <laughs> life into that game. But, but yeah, so he, he introduced me to um, uh, Settlers 2. Mm-hmm. Um, he was running it, I think, at at eight hundred by six hundred. I think that's the same thing I did um, on on a four eighty six DX four one hundred, and and I, he's just like zooming in on the characters and showing them just sitting there blowing bubbles with bubble gum. And, oh, animations and, are spectacular, and and zooming in on on the butcher, and you can see the the butcher there with the with the meat cleaver yes. carving it. Uh, it was just. Yeah, just just the little details. It was like they they just put so much detail into the little things that you, if if you're not paying attention, you do, you don't notice. You get little rabbits and deer and everything running around, and the hunter mm-hmm. chasing them down and shooting them. And it was it's it's almost yeah, it like playing playing like that's the, the 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 main attraction of that game is you never directly controlled anything. I guess except for the roads. Um, like you built the roads yourself, but uh, you lay them down, but and build things. But other than that, the life of that town is is its own, and it's so so detailed. And by the way, a lot of people mention the graphics and the gameplay, but the music is freaking great. Uh, oh, even yeah. in the first yeah. game, like the first game has great music, and second one even more so. So very memorable, sort of sort of those or like orchestral sort of like. Like really big. It's weird how that game managed to balance like sort of a so- sense of scape while while having those like really sort of cartoony, cutesy characters. Like it, it no game really has accomplished that, and that I guess is a testament to its longevity because there's like I, I don't know at least seven or or eight settlers games of, of yep. which there are also multiple remakes of each other. Yeah. Now they're mentioning settlers too. There was actually a tenth anniversary remake of it that. That's hashtag not DOS. Mm-hmm. Um, it was they. They basically took the original game and gave it full 3D yeah. accelerated graphics. And, and Settlers um, Two seems to be the game that most people gravitate to. Like that's the one that people really remember discovering, have very fond memories of. And yeah, I, I'd say. Uh, you know, you can play the first game, but yeah, if you've never played Settlers Two, you sort of really owe it to yourself to to try it out. Like there is no reason. Not to try that game because it's also a very, like you said, enjoyable and relaxing game as well. It's like you don't need to, to sort of, uh, to sort of get all frustrated. Like if you play Dune Dune Two, you know you'll you'll eventually get frustrated probably with the interface before anything else. But uh, yeah. but Settlers Two, you'll just sit down, and relax, and you you'll have like a smile on your face playing for like at least a couple of hours before things get difficult. You know? Yeah. <laughs> No, it's a great game, and it's also got not a bad little storyline as well. It's it's a, a very sort of story based game as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you start off you you're shipped you've been shipwrecked and you don't know where you are and you sort of build up a settlement and then start exploring where you've landed and and you yeah it just goes on you find a portal and you go into the portal and you get to the next map and sort of like that it's mm-hmm. it for. While there is lots of combat in it, it's not hugely violent. It's more more about expanding your your little town. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And oh, 
it's it's a German game, you know. Uh, Blue Byte uh, developed it, and Blue Byte made some really cool games uh, in their time. Yeah, I, 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 most of the Blue Byte games that I I know of are sort of more towards the hashtag not DOS era. Yeah, um, uh, early Windows era. I guess they also did some some really cool things. That I'll I'll briefly mention for you know uh, all of the Battle Isle. Uh, games that I do recommend, and they're DOS games. They're they're turn-based strategy, and they're really really cool. And yeah. also, they made the sort of very underappreciated, but really really cool RPG uh, Albion, which I highly recommend people check out. I think all of those games are actually on good old games. I think all of them are on GOG. Uh, are, is Settlers on GOG? Uh, because they I, have. Op- I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. So do I. Like, and so is Battle Isle, and so is Albion. I think they have some kind of a deal with Blue Byte. So all of their all of their old games are actually on there. So. Yeah, but they're, they're a very good developer. Yes, they are. They they put out a lot of quality. Mm-hmm. Quality. Absolutely. Games. Um, now we're we're gonna skip a few. Um, games on the list. Um, yeah, in your list, I actually would like to briefly mention that I have played both Iron Seed and Reunion. Especially Reunion was like a big thing back in the day, and I could not. Well, I didn't get to them because uh, I I passed out last night, and uh, yeah, but, but I didn't get to them either. So that that's why I was going to skip them. Yeah, and they're <laughs> both those sort of weird things where you don't really. You you go between diff- switch between different windows and and sort of build things Master of Orion style, um, uh-huh. and I remember Reunion because it was famous having like great graphics, but it was really obtuse and very difficult and and also very buggy. And I'm just not generally a, f- a fan of those games. And no. uh, Iron Seed is the same. Iron Seed is 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 also like not really. An RTS, it's only only battles are in real time, and the rest is sort of that same yeah. style when you sort of switch between different yeah. modes, of building stuff. So, and uh, I, if somebody played those games, please uh, actually leave us uh, leave us a comment. I would love to, I would love to read about it and how much you love it or hate it or or, or whatever. But personally, I don't remember either of those games very fondly. Yeah, no, well, I, I haven't played them, so I, I have nothing to comment on them. Um, although you mentioned Master of Orion, um, I, I could go on for hours <laughs> about about that game and sequel. I never played the third one, but that they were one of my one of the very early games that I played as well. Yeah, pretty great, um, but not an RTS. <laughs> no, not not an RTS. So, but so the the next game mm-hmm. um, on our list is yet another bullfrog game. It's, yeah. It's, um, this is one, once again, I think this one sort of blurs the line a bit. Because mm-hmm. um, it could be an RTS, it could be a builder yeah, game. Yeah, that's pretty much, I, I, I don't really consider this uh, an RTS game. Uh, shall we actually say what, what the title is? Yes, it's Theme Park. Yeah. Um, uh, well, what we'll do is we'll just touch on it and... Uh, oh no, it's a fun game by all means, because I actually, I'll yep. be honest with you, I'll, I'll say it. Uh, I don't really enjoy theme park. I don't know what it is about it. I know a lot of people love it and swear by it, but I'm not one of those people. It doesn't really do it for me. Well, well, for for me, theme park, I I didn't really enjoy playing the game myself. But but one of my good friends who um, I, I grew up with, and we actually hated each other when we first met. Um, and then he worked out that I I knew stuff about computers and I could 
fix them. <laughs> and, and suddenly he decided that he'd come over and visit me after, you know, the last time I'd seen him, we'd, we'd actually, um, had a fight. Oh, a, a full on punches thrown kind of fight. Ouch. Um, <laughs> well, no, I, I jumped on his back and choked him down till he passed out. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Well, it, it was a sort of a non-violent way of sub- subduing him and stopping him from punching me in the head. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, sort of after that, he sort of worked out that we both play computer games and since then we've been really good friends and I, I was actually the, uh, I'm the godson of, oh, sorry, his first son is my godson. Mm-hmm. So just, just as an aside, but, um, he, he actually played theme park quite a lot and, um, and yeah, I just, I just enjoyed sitting there for, you know, quite some time after, you know, just watching him play it because it was just, it just looked interesting to me, but I could never actually play it myself. Um, and while we're, while we're on the theme park thing, we'll also touch on a very similar game, mm-hmm. um, theme hospital. Okay. Once again by Bullfrog. That so game I have a lot to say about because that's actually yeah. is one of my favorite games. Yeah. Now, now that, well, while I couldn't get into theme park, I could get into theme hospital. Yes, it's a lot more and approachable. I, and I, I just sort of the, the defining sort of memory I have of the first time I played theme hospital was the person with the overinflated tongue. <laughs> yes, <laughs> when they sort of uh, cut it off in the in in a tongue cutting machine. <laughs> uh, the the uh, I, I would like to know. <laughs> what they were smoking when they came up with some of these oh, these great. ideas that they, they they can't have been dead sober or they could have asked their kids because I, I don't see how adults could have that vivid and and imaginative um, ways to get sick. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's amazing. But uh, I guess it's jumping quite a lot forward. But let's get Team Hospital out of the way because Team Hospital yep. is a hospital management game where you just sort of fill in the inside of the hospital that you're given with equipment, rooms, and staff. And you watch sick people come in and either get cured or, or, or die or wait forever. And it's, it's a game that's essentially based just like theme park on extreme micromanagement. You do everything. Like you take care of employees. You, you, you see what their moods are at any given time. Uh, they ask for a raise. You, you check out what to research next. Sometimes you, you're made to, uh, to see what the, um, you know, they ask you, like, we couldn't diagnose this patient with this and this. What do you want to do? Do you want to give him more pills? Do you want to search the research? Do you want to just prescribe him stuff? And you watch people die left and right and throw up left and right. And, uh, and, and you make the janitor. Yes. You, and you can directly uh, I, sort of. I, I wish, I can't remember if you can or not, but I'll have to revisit the game, but it just makes me want to, I want to call the janitor Roger Wilco. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, and hire the cheapest. Yes. Yes. And then he doesn't do anything and you have to like pick them up and throw them in the middle of piles of garbage. Uh, yeah. It's an amazing game that gets really hard really quick uh, because you have to micromanage everything. Uh, but it's, it's so much fun. Uh, like that's to me is, is the bullfrog strategy title I've enjoyed the most. Uh, and I will recommend to, to anyone. Is it an RTS? I, 
I oh, don't consider it, it, it one at all. It's definitely like a micromanagement simulation building game, whatever the hell yeah, but, it's supposed but, to be. Yeah, but I mean, that there are arguments you could say that it, it is. It, it, strategic, it, it has strategic elements. It's in real time. I don't know. The strategic time, element. Strat- I don't know. The strategy there is only depends on, <laughs> on who you hire and, and which size rooms you build. So, uh, it's, it's really blur, but it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to the point where it's, it's really, really fun. You will not look away until you hit one of those frustrating levels where you're like, Oh my God, I have to build everything from the ground up and I have and, no and money. Sit there bashing your head, your yeah. Head in you will, you will me. eventually hate it. But like the first, I don't know. Three, four hours, just bliss. It's, it's amazing. And it's really, really, it's just really, really funny. And the graphics are great. The music, this sort of like unintrusive elevator music that they have throughout the game also has a great opening cutscene. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I, I, yes, buy it, get it. I, it's on, I think it's on, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's on GOG as well. Uh, I recommend not, it. I'm not sure. I actually, I actually own the original copy. Yeah, so. So, do, so do I. So I, it's, I recommend it highly. So that's it for, not theme park, but mostly theme hospital. <laughs> yes. Theme park is essentially definitely. the same game, but, but worse. Yeah. In so many ways. It, like the, not just the graphics and whatever, but it's, it's, it's a lot more clunky. Like theme hospital is really easy to control, despite the fact that sometimes when yeah. you want to look at like patients and people, there's a lot of windows open. There's this and the other things to click on, but it's easy to figure out and it's very intuitive. Theme park is yeah. not bad. Yeah, but the theme theme park though was sort of the the precursor. Oh, absolutely. To, to theme hospital, it's sort of what what they based theme hospital off. But they fixed all the issues mm-hmm. that they had. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, obviously they changed the theme. Um, well, one thing that sort of I don't know if if you feel this way, but I, I feel that uh, theme hospital is a uh, in, in my mind it's a precursor to the Sims games. Um, um, in in that you got a lot of micromanagement, sort of similar sort of. I uh, you, you can certainly see elements from here, there, and everywhere, and 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 theme hospital is one of those that that seems like it's one of one of the yeah, many uh, many influences. I mean, if you if you like The Sims, check out Theme Hospital. Fuck, if you like Doom, check out Theme Hospital. I don't care, just check out Theme Hospital. It's great. It. it if you can manage to turn on your computer, <laughs> yes, w- w- without gnawing on your desk, um, check out Theme Hospital. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so so we travel we'll back in time a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll move on. I was sort of just trying to sort of lump a couple of games mm-hmm. sort of together, but then the next one, oh, this one is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, this this one is by a. Uh, a small company you, you may have may have heard of it I'm not really sure they're they're, they're not really that big now uh, Blizzard oh, um, yeah yeah no in 1994 they released a game called Warcraft mm-hmm. Orcs and Humans oh my god was this a great game yeah oh yes um, oh I just I the first time I saw it was actually um the, the story about Master of Orion, it's actually the same person that introduced me to Warcraft was the same person that introduced me to, to Master of Orion at the same house, ironically. It was, um, a, a friend of mine who lived not in the same town as me, but his relatives lived in the same town as me. He, he came 
came to town and stayed with them and I went over there and there he was, there he was sitting on the computer playing Warcraft and it, it was a I think it was a a 386 DX25 it was it was God awful slow at the time, but it was good enough to play Warcraft. Nice. Just uh, it was very slow, but it was playable. Mm-hmm. Um, although looking back at it now, what what we'd classify as playable back then and what <laughs> yeah, we classify as playable now yeah. is very different. very different. But I just remember that the first thing that he showed me was he started clicking on the same unit over <laughs> and over and over again. And, and just, just the fact that, that they, they'd say different things, mm-hmm. that there was actual speech in there, and it was just like, okay, this is, this is awesome. And the, the style was just, it was cartoony and violent and awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, so many good memories. And I just remember that, that game was just, yeah, I, we, we were only playing the demo. Mm. Which I think was like, you know, three or four levels or something like that. I can't remember exactly. It's quite some time. Um, but yeah, this, this is one of the games that sort of, it, it was the one that sort of really got me interested in the genre. Oh yeah. It's a great game. And I'm, uh, I'm saying that that's a game that clearly t- takes, you know, inspiration from, uh, Dune 2, um, in, in many ways. Uh, it's sort of that the building, f- and fighting strategy game and, you know, interfaces somewhat borrowed, uh, yes. as well. It, it's, except that it, it's the f- first game that I know of that added a group select. Yes. Option. Uh, a little clunky, clunky. Yes. Uh, um, I believe it's the, the control key. Something like that. Yeah. The control or alt, you hold that down and then you can multiple select. But it's for you still, I don't think it's, uh, does it, does, does it have the, contextual interface at that point I, I don't think so right you still have to click uh, the command or or I, press a shortcut key for a command I, I believe you you yeah. can click um, and I the thing I'm not sure about is whether you actually have the, the press the buttons I believe you do yeah I believe um, you do as well again it took him just a little bit more to figure that one out as well Yeah, and another thing is the, the screen scrolling if if you did not have say move or attack selected and you moved the mouse to the edge of the screen it did not move mm-hmm. yes but if you if you had attack or or move selected and you moved the mouse to the edge of the screen it would scroll around and that was fantastic mm-hmm. um it it amazed me I, I wondered what was happening when i first did it i i didn't realize it could do it i was always just scrolling around with the arrow keys and yeah and then yeah, it was just that game had so many good ideas. I mean, the the interface mm-hmm. is just uh, after playing the newer games, it's it's very clunky, but yeah, still uh, again, def- but it's a very important stepping stone towards like the refining that I guess the same sort of building, you know, like the build slash fight uh, main strategy uh, formula. But it's also very very playable. Like I, it's it's more yeah. playable. In that sense, than Dune too, because it's uh, it's easier to get to get into, and the interface is slightly refined, and plus it's, it's very funny. So there, there, there's yeah, that. No, it's, it's definitely it. It's a strategy game without without the seriousness, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's 
definitely on my highly recommended to try list. Um, those cutscenes, though, oh, they uh, they were god awful. Yeah, but they are that sort of Blizzard like early 3D yeah. uh, stuff, and they packed a lot of them. Like the the for for small size game, like those cutscenes are pretty intense. Um, yeah, like with all the flying over the castles and shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I I had the CD version, so I I wasn't restricted by space. No, not not very restricted by space at all. But but also once again, when I actually got the full game, this is once again I got this after, um, you know, further games in the in the series. Mm-hmm. So. I actually got that after I got Warcraft 2. Ah. So. Yeah. I mean, I would recommend it. I would recommend checking out first, first Warcraft. Yeah. Of course, the, no, the Warcraft that you do all have to check out is the second one, but we'll get to that very, yes. very shortly. Very shortly. Um, but, uh, one, one, one more thing about Warcraft, mm-hmm. uh, the original Warcraft, is it actually had a multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Like, which, which was something, um, new for me. Mm-hmm. It, it was the first real-time strategy game that I saw that actually did have networkable multiplayer. I believe it. It was like four-player maximum over the network. I'm not 100% sure. I never actually got to play it multiplayer, unfortunately, which I'll have to remedy at some stage. But yeah, it was that's just something to to note that at around that time, games were starting to to. Add the multiplayer element into it. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's a that's about all I've got to say about Warcraft, other than recommended. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, shall we move on to the next yeah. year? Next yep. year is quite eventful, actually. Uh, yeah. I see the first game in your list is is a really weird one. Uh, it's it's Baldies, um, yeah. uh, which I guess you haven't played it or haven't revisited it. No, or? I, I I haven't played it. At all, it's actually um, it was on my list of things to play, but I just haven't. It's you know, an time is the interesting <laughs> game that that time forgot. Um, it, it's really sort of cutesy RTS, and um, uh, it's very simple graphically, but it's fun to play. Um, it's sort of you have those sort of uh, this basic landscape, and you have lots of your sort of little baldies, and you fight people who are really hairy. Um, and you have to defeat them. But the way you do it, you, you build houses and each house is different. And you physically like drag your boldies into those houses and you can switch their sort of like assignment. There is like baby maker boldies, builder boldies, um, uh, other like there's I think there's five different uh, types of like and you can change them at will and inside the houses they make more of them and then they do stuff uh, it's really really simple concept I don't quite know how to describe it but you just get your units in the houses to make more units uh, of that type um, or you know different types and then you go and attack hairy people and you move on to the next map it's really really simple but it's really cute uh, and really funny, and that's really all I have to say about it. Uh, that's yeah, it's, no, it's, it's a very simple game, and I would say to people who like seek it out just just for the for the heck of it, just try it. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that I'm 
I intend to check out. I mean, the the list that we've got there, I'll I'll actually go through and and try out all the games that I haven't tried out yet because, well, I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, well, well, we'll move on to the next game that was also a 1995 game, mm-hmm. and th- this is this is the big one for me. Oh yeah. This this is the first game that I ever like first real time strategy game that I ever bought a box copy of. Um, this is a, a Westwood game. It's called Command and Conquer. Oh yes. Uh, it's just I just remember I had a 486 DX33 when I got it, and and I know now that that's just not fast enough to actually play <laughs> the game properly. Um, but at, at the time, it just at a four by CD ROM. Well, I was the first person that I know to have more than a one by CD ROM, um, and I. I just I put the game in. I started it up, and that intro, the the bubbly oh, yeah. water style um, logo coming up, and then the TV shows that that terrible, terrible soap <laughs> opera scene where they slap each other and then they end up kissing. It was just, and then it switches channel, switch channel, switch channel, going you know showing news reports and things like that, and until eventually you get to. You start seeing like static, and then you see sort of your—I uh, think it was his name was Seth, I believe—and um, Commander Shepard sort of fading in and out, fading in and out until it sort of brings you to the um, to the team selection screen, and mm-hmm. sort of you got the GDI symbol fading in and out, and the Nod symbol fading in and out, and it was just—it was—it was really unique um, for me that. That was the first time I've ever seen any game do something like that that to make their intro screen actually like blend into oh, yeah. the to the mm-hmm. to the start of the game so well, and then having the full motion video um, sort of intro to each mission was just it was great. I mean, it it didn't have the humor of of Warcraft, but it had so much more. Mm-hmm. The in- interface was. So good. Well, that's it the thing. They refined well. e- everything in that game. Like they, uh, well, I'd like to point out that Command and Conquer is essentially, well, in many ways, Dune Two, right? They, yes. they, that was that's what the foundation that they built on. But they took that and they're like, okay, so multiple unit selection and one thing that Warcraft couldn't get is the contextual interface. You can just click on things. If you click on the enemy, it'll get attacked. If you click on the ground, the unit will move there. Yep. And that's essentially, you know, it took, what, three years to figure that out from Dune 2? And that was it. That's basically, like, Command and Conquer is the perfectly refined, like, building slash battling RTS. Yep. It was just, it was Dune 2 perfected. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, just just remembering the, the first few uh, missions, I, I moved some troops onto the Tiberium, and I was wondering why they were dying. And then late later on, as you progress through the missions, there's like uh, news reports about how the Tiberium puts out poisonous gases and things <laughs> like that. It's just, oh, that's why. And but there was just little details like that. And you know, if if you got a commando. It, it'd sit there, um, you know. If you'd left him alone, 
you just start smoking a cigarette mm-hmm. and then and and you see great the smoke rising great the animations animations are fantastic yeah um and um this this was the game that first got me into networking which is what what I do for a a a day job I I manage computer systems remotely mm-hmm. um so but this was the first game that sort of really got me into networking i mean I, i'd played doom um the original doom the shareware version mm-hmm. over a null modem cable mm-hmm. and that that was amazing oh yes but it, it it never inspired me to to go further than a null modem cable because it was only myself and and my friends mm-hmm. who who had it so we'd only have two computers to play it on so uh, it was actually the first time i'd ever actually Taken a computer outside uh, of the house. I, I was just gonna say, like, who brought who brought the computer to whom? Like, it was always um, like a, well, bi- a big debate who's gonna lug the computer over. Because back yeah. in those days, monitors, oh. heavy. I think people have really forgotten how heavy freaking CRT monitors were. Even and the computers themselves were also pretty fucking heavy. Oh, but the, that, that, they were made out of thick metal. Yes. They, they were Built like tanks. Now you can literally grab both the monitor, monitor in one hand, uh, even if you have a desktop, grab the desktop in the other hand and just do 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 do, casually stroll down the street. Uh, that was not the case, and especially if you're like an apartment building, uh, and elevators out, <laughs> like lugging yeah. lugging the monitor like seven floors up, not fun at that, all. That would not be fun. I I actually. I I've spent most of my life in rural areas of Australia, so you know if someone has a two-story house, that that's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You have a second story on your house. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so, but between my friend's house and my place, there was a hill. Oh God! <laughs> so you could go all the way around the hill on relatively flat ground, or you could, or you could cut the walking distance by a. By three quarters, oh god, up over the hill. Oh um, man! What, what I what I ended up to do initially it was, I'd get my friend to come over and help me, and he'd grab one thing, I'd grab the other thing, we'd carry it across. But then then I actually modified a backpack to carry the computer case, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so computer on my back, monitor in my hand. Yikes! And walk over. Um, it, it wasn't too bad. Because uh, the monitor I had, was, it was a 14-inch monitor, and it wasn't really that heavy. It was one of the more mon- modern 14-inch monitors. All right. Um, so I, I say it wasn't that heavy. It but was, it wasn't was, that heavy compared. Compared, to, yeah. But but they were heavy. I I have oh, one of those yeah. very close by because uh, I recently got one of those sort of like early to mid 90s 14-inch monitors. Um, and I was like, oh, look, it's in perfect shape. Like, it wasn't turned on in, like, years, and it still works. I'm going to take yeah. it home uh, from, you know, my job. And as soon as I lifted it, I was like, for a 14-inch monitor, this is really fucking heavy. Like, I was like, I was like, did I really forget how heavy the monitors were from the 80s? Because those were even fucking worse. Like, like yeah. by yes, far. Did. By but, far. But there's, but there's also the... we. When we were initially lugging those monitors around, we were a lot younger. Oh, that's too. And I am like, and, and a lot more energetic. Now, now we're we're getting a bit older and we're a bit yeah. But I'm also like 
you know, now I'm 140 pounds, but then I was like, I don't know what, uh, 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 like half my weight. Like, I don't even know how I carried any of that stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm, I've always been on the, the larger size, mm-hmm. well, larger weight, not actual size. I've, people have always been surprised at my weight for how I look. Because mm-hmm. I, like, I, I spent a, a long time of my, Sort of late teens, early twenties. I was around eighty kilograms. I'm not sure what that is in 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 pounds, but that's I think somewhere around the hundred and ninety pounds, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now I'm I'm older and fatter, um, <laughs> and I weigh around the two hundred and twenty pounds. So I, I'm I'm not a small guy, but I, I'm six foot two as well. So, but. Back back then, I was a lot more energetic, a lot more athletic, and whatnot. So I, I didn't think twice about it. It was just something <laughs> that we do. Um, I actually have a, a 17 inch monitor sitting at my parents' house. I'm just waiting for my sister to move all this, all of her stuff out of the garage, so I can actually physically get to it, so I can collect it. Nice. Um, at the moment, I, my DOS machine is running on a 19 inch um, LCD mm-hmm. panel. And I do have a 17-inch LCD panel as well, mm. but but anyway, back back now we're we're back on track. No, that's um, a that's a good story though. Like I think yeah, people, especially younger people, if they're listening, have have not experienced anything like this. Yeah, no, it's it, it certainly was it was unique back in the day because no one besides me and my friends would think about doing anything like that even. Um, but. And then but, you had to get your parents' permission or do it while they were oh, away because that's like a big one. I mean, you didn't own those computers. Your parents did. But by, by that point, um, I pretty much owned that computer. Um, I was the only one that really used it. Um, my, mother, my mother, as long as she the computer was there and set up, ready for her to do her work when she needed it, she, she didn't care as long as I didn't break it. So I, I was I was really lucky with my technology back in back in the day, um, but yeah, basically what what I did and around the time of Command and Conquer, it, it was a little bit after the 486 days. It was coming into the Pentium days. Um, I had my own computer by that point. I had a Pentium 100 with 16 megabytes of RAM and a 4.3 gigabyte SCSI hard drive. Whoa! That that, that I got given for free because the the power um, the power plug on it, where the power plug's in, actually had dry solder joints. So, and the bearings in the drive were starting to, to fail. Uh-huh. So I got given it for free because it, it was a, a, you know, one in three chance when you turn the computer on that the hard drive would not spin uh-huh. up. Uh-huh. So, but it was good for a game storage drive that I didn't care about that I could reinstall the games on. Mm-hmm. So, and it was quite fast as well. Um, but yeah, so I, I had that computer. My, my mother's computer was at that point a Cirrix PR166. Um, and, and I had set up a coax network <laughs> between the two of them. So I, I actually drilled a hole through the wall. <laughs> so the inside to the outside to run the, the, the coax through and then I, I put the ends on the coax once I'd run the cable through and and we were playing Command and Conquer multiplayer. Nice. 
and and there was a sort of a, a map in Command and Conquer. Uh, I think it's something Garden, um, Emerald Garden, or something like that. It, it's essentially each of the four corners is its own sort of little, little contained um, sort of area with only one entrance in and out of that area. So you could bottleneck that area, and then yeah, and you basically fought each other to a standstill. So it stopped the tank rush issue, which Command and Conquer was, you know, quite quite known for the tank <laughs> yes, rush. Yes. Um, so that that thing would stop that map would stop the tank rush, and you'd have to actually be sneaky. So so what a tactic that I was quite successful with was I'd I'd build a a Chinook. And five commandos. I'd send my tanks at the front of the base to distract them, and then fly my helicopter around the back of their base and drop it into the back of the base and start destroying the base from the back while I was attacking the front. And I got quite a few victories that way. <laughs> nice. Hey, strategy. Yeah. Uh, although it's sort of one, one thing that I was a little bit disappointed about with Commander Conquer was the AI in networked games. They didn't build bases. Hmm. Which which meant if you really wanted a multiplayer game, there was like no skirmish mode. Um, so to speak. Um, the the AI in in the multiplayer games was just it it'd attack you with what it had and that's about it. So it was sort of you know you had to have a, a human player to play against, which, in my case, it wasn't an issue because I had two computers in the house. All I yeah, needed nice. was another person to come over and play. Um, so, um, what what about you, Command and Conquer for you? Uh, I, I like Command and Conquer, but um, I didn't. It was hard to come by uh, where I grew up. Um, yeah. So uh, it, it's it really it's the, the next the next game that really that really got me. Uh, and after after yeah. the next one, it's kind of hard to go back because that one is even more refined. Uh, yeah, well, at least in my opinion. Well, yeah, in some ways I agree with you. But we'll we'll just touch quickly on the the expansion pack. Oh yeah, war. I'm looking at the box Conquer. right now. I have that one in the big box yeah, on I, the shelf. I, I have I have not only I don't actually have the box anymore. Um, during one of my many moves many years ago, I actually threw out the box, but I still have the discs. Mm-hmm. I have the original Command and Conquer. I have the Covert Operations, which mm-hmm. was the expansion pack. Now, I, I was actually kind of disappointed with the Covert Operations. Yeah, um, I didn't play what, it much. What, what I was expecting was another campaign, so to speak. So, you know, one mission led into another, into another. But what it was was just a, a collection of maps and like missions that you could select whichever one you wanted to try, um, and it, it wasn't sort of a progression type thing. It was just a a group of missions, mm-hmm. um, and and that that kind of disappointed me. I mean, there was a there was some pretty cool missions in it, but it just it didn't have the same feel as the original game. And that, that disappointed me a little bit. But, you know, if, if the Command and Conquer is free now, um, so you, you can download oh, it. Oh yeah, and it's totally. Forgot about that. It, yeah, so it, it's definitely worth giving a try. Oh yes. Um, one thing though is that the very first thing when you start the game, when you start a mission, 
turn the scroll speed down if you're playing on a modern computer. <laughs> yeah, it will just fly. I think same with the first Warcraft, actually. I think first Warcraft, a lot of those mid-90s uh, RTS games didn't have, like, the frame limit. They, like, maxed out. Uh, you, it would scroll as fast as, as it would allow. I guess at the time it was a concern. So, like, most of the time when yeah. you start up those, like, even you start them up in DOSBox or in a faster machine and, like, try everything runs fine until you try to scroll and just fly off to the edge of the map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So... Um, although the next game, there was a version of it that came out much later that, that sort of solved that a bit. But, oh, well, let, let's move on to the next game. Also 1995. 1995 was a, was a pretty spectacular year. It, it was. Two absolutely massive games in one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll let you introduce this one. Well, the next one is obviously uh, Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness. Which took uh, everything that was great about Warcraft 1 and made it better. And then whatever was wrong with Warcraft 1, it fixed. And I don't really know what what else to say because Warcraft 2 is probably one of my favorite strategy games of all time. If not the favorite, it might be my favorite. Like RTS, the, the, the building slash 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 fighting units RTS because uh, I think it's perfect it's it's freaking hilarious um, the graphics are great high resolution SVGA it has plenty of maps really good AI a fantastic multiplayer support uh, I don't really know what else to say you can still even buy it probably like at the dollar store for like a dollar the battle net yeah. edition is still being sold in the yep. few places that you can still find CDs in, just about everywhere that you go yeah, in, like I, some kind of an I, office I would max. Actually, yeah, I would actually recommend it if you are going to to buy it new. I'd get the Battle.net version. Yeah, well, that's the one that's... It, it's, it's a lot easier to live with. Yeah, and it's a Windows edition at this point, so... Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, like the Battle.net version, you literally... Any store that will sell you budget like still new budget CDs, any like Office Max or whatever, you're almost 90% guaranteed to find uh, Warcraft 2 Battle.net edition uh, yeah. there. So, yeah, oh, get it. Get it by all means. I don't really know what else to say because we, we kind of, like, except for, it, it's just more. More of everything yeah. and better. Yeah, I, I've, I've got a bit to say about it. Well, firstly, when uh, when it came out, I was very much of a, of a command and conquer person. You had the command and conquer people and you had your Warcraft people. Mm-hmm. And I was very much in the command and conquer, uh, group. I mean, I played Warcraft 2, but my preference was always to command and conquer. But having said that, command and conquer, I, running the installer and doing the sound test, mm-hmm. your sound card works perfectly. Your sound card works perfectly. And then, and you, you keep clicking it, and and it'll do the same thing the units would in in the original <laughs> Warcraft. Okay. Um, enjoying yourself, your sound card works perfectly, and on and on. And then it doesn't get any better than this. Actually, you know what? I I will have to sort of contradict that a little bit because I I completely forgot that both Command and Conquer and Command and Conquer Red Alert have spectacular CD installers. Which you can find yes. videos of on my channel, <laughs> on my YouTube channel. Yeah, they're no, that, they're great. Yeah, no, the EVA 
installation. Yeah. And yeah, no, that they're, they're very that as I said with the whole game that the whole installation and and lead up to the first mission it's all cinematic. A lot of people like the Red Alert uh in, installer with like the ro- Soviet rockets and everything, but I think the end after you you've installed the first command and conquer and configured everything when it just goes into like a sort of digital mess. Uh, yeah. like, I think is really, really well done. Yeah, oh, the, the the installers were were awesome. So it, it's worth just installing the game. Yeah, pretty just to much. See that. Um, al- although I did find on my 486, um, I think there's a, a, I believe a memory issue or whatever. But as soon as I select my sound card, the installer locks up. So I'll have to wait till I finish building up my Pentium uh, 200 be, and the next machine. It might be like the uh, the auto detect that's doing that. Well, I, I tried manually selecting oh, it, it's still? and it does the same oh. does the same thing. So I, I haven't troubleshooted it because the DX4 it's a DX4 133 mm-hmm. or AMD DX, oh, okay. DX AMD 133 mm-hmm. megahertz 5.86 is what they called it. But yeah, it was quite interesting, but. Yeah, so well back back to back to Warcraft, yes. Warcraft two. Uh-huh. It it uh, it was just the you know, the the sound test was just I, I had no end of fun with that. And then then I actually started up the game and the music. The music on the C D was that that oh, was something yes. that, that stuck with me for life. I actually after I'd played it the first time I actually pulled the, the disc out of the computer and put it in my C D player next to my bed and went to sleep to that music. It was just epic, epic orchestral style music. Um, yeah, uh, to, uh, uh, music is always a really, really special thing to me because, well, I'm a musician. I, I play guitar in a band and whatnot. So it, it's very, if the, if the musical store score sets tone perfectly, the game is going to be good for me. Mm-hmm. And and the music in Warcraft Two was just epic. It's the, the no no way no other way for me to describe it. it was just epic in the style and the the way I actually really started properly playing Warcraft Two was actually I was going to uh, it's hard to explain for people not from Australia but I was going to a tertiary education place called TAFE so T A F E. So I think it stands for technical and further education. So when when you finish high school in Australia, you have sort of two two main options for continuing your education. You can either go to university, and that university sort of focuses on more sort of uh, theoretical type things like learning to be a teacher, your sciences, your your philosophy, your things like that. Um, TAFE is is the courses instead of being the you know three or more years of university, it's you know one to two years, sometimes shorter, and it's mainly focused on technical stuff. So you you have your mechanical stuff. That's where apprentices go to do their their course material when they're they're doing their apprenticeship, and electricians go there as well to to do their apprenticeship as well. Um, so that that's where I was going. I was going doing computer courses, obviously, um, and electronic courses. And it was during one of those courses, I walked into another classroom, and 
the entire class, including the teacher, were playing Warcraft 2. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I watched them for a little bit, and then the, the next time they had a class, and I wandered in, I joined them. Nice. So that that was a, a hardware fault finding and and computer building class. Mm-hmm. So that they were they were old computers of the time. They were, this is you know early you know early Celeron, Pentium two, Pentium three sort of era, right? Um, things and they were working on late four eighty six era hardware to build up, but they they built. Not only computers, they ran a network, a coax network, and they were playing Warcraft 2, and I, and it was then, it was that moment that I'm going, okay, I, I see the attraction of Warcraft 2 now. I, I'm not so much a Command <laughs> Conquer only kind of person. And yeah, I, I think it was 8 player, I believe, was maximum player, and they had like two, two games, two full games running. Nice. No, um, Warcraft 2 is great. Yeah, it, it is really good, and in it is, Warcraft has a good story behind it. All all of the Warcraft games sort of lead into each other. So you got the first one that that's about the war between the orcs and the humans, mm-hmm. and then and then you have the conclusion of that, and then the second game starts off where the first one finished, mm-hmm. uh, and then the expansion and builds on that, and. It was in Warcraft 2 that you started having the, the sort of a little bit of a trend towards the, the hero control. So you you got a main a name yes, special you got the special character. like leader, yes. Yeah, and it, it was just yeah, it was it was a bit different from from previous games. So it was it was something quite special. And then obviously with the newer games like the Warcraft 3 year, you were very much leaning a lot more towards that in the single player campaigns. Right, right. And especially the expansion. And then, then obviously you have World of Warcraft, which, mm-hmm. which, which, which annihilated a good four years of my life. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, but Warcraft 2, I, I like, uh, uh, I mean, I, I love it and I think, Making it even more humorous than the first, uh, I think, e- oh, yeah. e- even really added to it. It was just really pleasant to play, and it's not an easy game, uh, but but no. but it's very no. enjoyable uh, to sort of finish missions. Um, and uh, one thing I did not mention, I don't think anywhere, which I just remembered, uh, Warcraft Two, because everything was translated by pirates in my country, right? Up to in certain up yep. to a certain time when we actually had real companies established, so. Warcraft 2 has been translated into my, in, in my city. The, the group that translated, I think it's like three or four people translated, uh, were, were in my city. That was a very famous translation because it was not, it was extremely faithful. Not just like fonts and text and all the sounds were translated, but you know how you have books in the background? Uh, yeah. In between the, they have redrawn the text oh. on those book pages. Wow. Yeah, and they're like that, you know, they, you know, like they're they, they're warped, right? They're not like straight pages of text. They're actual like it looks like an open book with with text in it. Uh, they did that even, um, and they actually yeah. added their own logo uh, like at 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 the, the tail end of the uh, of the <laughs> Blizzard logo. It was like it was the Blizzard logo and it would stop, and then it would like a giant stamp would come down and stamp their logo. <laughs> 
like and break break Blizzard's logo and stamp their logo on top of it. It was they did a really really good job. These guys. Uh, I read uh, maybe five years ago they finally found them and like did the interview with them about that. And you know they did it all like for free and stuff. Like they spent yeah. enormous amount of hours uh, translating uh, that sort of thing. But it, it's a really well done one. That that makes me want to actually find that copy and and just play it. I, I can probably I can pro- I can probably find it and then shoot it over to you if you want. <laughs> that 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 would be good because uh, that that sounds amazing. Yeah, I, it, I just it's it's pretty. You know, we had some uh, because you know a lot of those were were made you know for money and 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 everything because it was pirates and it was business. You know, do our developing capitalism, but. <laughs> Also, a lot of it was, you know, labor of love, you know, people really, cause you needed not just the energy to sort of crack the game and find out how it works and rewrite everything, but. You needed a good knowledge of the English language as well. So you That know too, what and sometimes that didn't happen. Trust me, I've seen quite a few translations <laughs> like that as well. Yes. But, uh, and also I've seen some really like sort of hacky translations of games, but some of them, uh, like that one or the early Sierra games were translated by people who were really passionate about the game. So they didn't want to break the game. They, they wanted yeah. to, the game to, to be more accessible to people who didn't know foreign language and they put everything that they could into it. And sometimes with that effort was better than anything I have seen in subsequent years done with, you know, by official localization companies. Uh, and Warcraft 2 happens to be one of them. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's it's definitely interesting. That's something that I would like. I'd definitely like to have a look at. No, no, I'll check uh, it out. I'll, uh, I'll, it's, it's. I think it's easy to find just because it was such a famous translation. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, one one thing that that also sticks out in my mind about Warcraft Two, the sheep. Oh yes, you you no, click no, on them no, a hundred no, times. The ship, <laughs> and, and and eventually it says Baramu, and then it blows up. <laughs> and, yeah. If you click that, on it over a hundred times, it blows up, which I think carried over into StarCraft as well. Yeah, I believe it did. I, I didn't play much of StarCraft. Um, I'm, much like you, I'm not a huge fan of StarCraft. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people, StarCraft was huge, 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 but I always stood my ground that Warcraft 2 is a more enjoyable game. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just didn't have the same personality. No, no. For me. That's true. Um, but, well, once again, we're getting sidetracked. So, um, have you got anything more to say about Warcraft Two? No, I think besides, I, I've said, besides the obvious that everyone should play. Yeah, I think I've said enough. Um, and and well, look, uh, my time is is hard to come by for the most part at the moment. But if anyone wants to play Warcraft Two online, well, I, I'm happy to try and figure out how to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm more than happy to, to give that a try. Um, but I, I think we should, uh, move on to the next one. Yes. Um, uh, which, which once again is one of the ones that I didn't get a chance to, to play. Um, so I'll, I'll leave this one to you. Oh yeah. So we're, we're, we're going into the next year, 1996. And, um, uh, there is one interesting title, uh, that not many people remember called Blood and Magic. It's uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragon, Dragon strategy game, which are also not very common. Um, and uh, it's actually a very interesting game because um, 
it's it doesn't have any building, but you have units, those golems that you start with, and you go around the maps and you just have to defeat the opposite you know, your 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 enemy. But the golems can turn into like an uh mana collecting statues back and forth and you basically just work with your unit's measure management and the resources of the land and defeat the enemy it's actually really easy to pick up and play and it looks great the only thing is it quickly becomes pretty hard because eventually you just get like just tons of enemies thrown at you and yeah but i've recently played it maybe uh i, I remembered about it and i uh, briefly played it just like a little bit for, to take a screenshot for my daily Twitter screenshot. Uh, and, and I played a little bit of it and it's, it's, it's fun. And I will say it's a like forgotten game and yeah, it probably won't last long, but it's a nice little sort of like, uh, you have uh, 15, 20 minutes, uh, to waste. Uh, you know, fire it up. I'd say it's, 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 it's pretty pleasing, especially early on before it gets really difficult. I would recommend it. Blood and Magic. I think I'll give that one a try at some point in the near future as well. Um, time pending, which mm-hmm. is yeah, somewhat difficult to come by, but it should be a little bit more free in the, the coming weeks for me. Um, well, the, the next thing we have <laughs> on our well, next couple of things, neither of us have played. Um, so that, that's Fragile Alliance and Gene Wars. Which yeah, I wanted to try Gene Wars all the time, but I, because it's Bullfrog and I happen to like Bullfrog, but I somehow never really, uh, like, my, our past, my, my past did, didn't cross with Gene Wars for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. I have no idea. Nobody I knew had it. Nobody I knew played it. Um, so there's that. If you played, dear listeners, if you played Gene Wars, leave us a comment like to uh, read what it's all about yeah um, well what what we'll do is we'll, we'll skip through to 1997 well did we did we I mean we didn't really talk about red alert well oh uh, yes sorry <laughs> I, I thought we talked about that I mean we briefly mentioned it I mean there is not really much to say except for no, I, I will say that red alert is even better than command and conquer at least in my yeah. opinion yeah now well with Command and Conquer Red Alert. I that was a, a bit of an unusual one for me. I, I like I saw my friend playing it, mm-hmm. and I go, "Where's GDI? Where's Nod?" Yeah, there isn't any of that. Uh, it... And 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 because of that, I I sort of I dismissed it as as not being worth playing if it's not if there's no Nod and no GDI. Mm-hmm. I was it was quite unusual, and I, I only sort of came back to it much later. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I wish I had have actually. Spend some more time on because it, it's it's an improvement on Command and Conquer yes, in every way. Absolutely, it, uh, balance like, wise, uh, specifically, uh, it's easier to start off uh, yep. and, and play it. Uh, graphics, like those tiny tiny little uh, uh, units, are yep. even have even more animations, which you would never yep. think they w- they could have squeezed in, but they have so much personality. Those tiny little pixely dudes. Oh, uh, it's great. And, and they they also had the high res mode. I'm, I can't remember whether you needed to do that in Windows or not. Yeah, I believe you had to play it in Windows to get the high yeah, res. Yeah, you mode. couldn't you couldn't do high res in DOS. And it actually the best improvement, of course, is a shitty FMV Stalin <laughs> that, 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 that you get. Uh, I've actually been playing. I I've actually purchased when it first came out. 
Command and Conquer the first decade, mm-hmm. when when that that package was released, mm-hmm. I got it on the day it was released because <laughs> I, I was so excited because it had games in there that I hadn't played before. Right, right. But it 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 meant that I had a copy of Red Alert which I didn't previous previous to this. But yeah, I've been playing that one. I've actually been playing recently. Uh, the last, well, I think it was last night I was playing it, and yeah, I, I just. The, the fake accents are so terrible. <laughs> yes. Affirmative. <laughs> yes. It's... Oh, but, but that, that's a, that's better than the actual FMV accents. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. FMV accents are ridiculous. Uh, but they're, I guess they're kind of ridiculous on purpose somewhat. But, uh, I will say I do not really have much to say about Red Alert except for it's an, it's a, even more improvement on Command and Conquer and I will recommend it really, really highly. Uh, is, is that one also free now or no? Ah uh, yes. Okay, so hell, well. it's free. Get it, play it. Get it, it. It's 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 freaking amazing. It's lots of lots of fun. There's no excuse. And and you can and you'll really find out how how somebody can squeeze like so much personality in those little like I don't know like six by four sprites because they're really tiny. The 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 little little guys, the the, the basic units. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. they have so many animations. I actually never actually bothered to look up. Is there some kind of like resource browser? Because I actually want to look at these animations because they look amazing. There's so many of them. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's a resource browser. Um, one, one thing I'll note about Red Alert is, or at least the, the free versions that are available, um, both Command and & Conquer and Red Alert. The Command & Conquer is actually... The one that they released for free is a Command & Conquer Gold, mm-hmm. which... Um, which was a Windows 95 version. Basically, it was the the Red Alert Windows version, and they they basically ported the original, original game. game and conquered to, to that to that engine, mm-hmm. that improved engine. Um, so it makes it easy to to get up and running on on a Windows computer, mm-hmm. so a newer computer. Um, and obviously, Red Alert it's it's the Red Alert not uh, Windows 95 version, so. Once again, same sort of thing. Um, now, Red Alert, the, there's a couple of, of things that they really improved that I think are worth noting, and it, they pertain mainly to the um, to the multiplayer. Mm. Now, they added a skirmish mode. So if you just wanted to have a battle against an AI, you could, and they would actually build a base unlike in the original game. Nice. I actually have never played Red Alert multiplayer. I, I'm 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 sorry to say. Yeah. Uh, well, Red, Red Alert multiplayer is just more of more of the same, except instead of playing against a computer player, you're playing against a, a human that that can do dick moves, <laughs> like, like 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 fill your base with tanks before you can move. Um. <laughs> uh. But yeah. I, I just remember with with Red Alert, I actually found a um a an editor. That could edit the uh, the cost of units, Ooh. and I and I set. I also found one for the original Command and Conquer two, but at the time my computer just wasn't up to the to the power of actually doing it. And I set the the just regular infantry uh-huh. machine gun infantry to one dollar, <laughs> and just absolutely spammed it. And and ended up making the game run so slow because there's no no unit limit. Um, unlike in the Warcraft um, games, uh-huh. there's no unit limit. You you don't need to build farms to to feed your troops. You just build them. 
Um, so re- resource management is a lot simpler and you can just absolutely fill the map. So you, you'd fill up the map and you'd tell your troops to move somewhere and only half of them would actually listen to you. The other half would just do nothing. <laughs> uh, and and I, I would do that in multiplayer games and people would get, <laughs> get quite upset with me because you could actually decide how much each team's units cost. Mm-hmm. So you could have one team have it $1 each and the other team be the regular price. And, and you know, if you owned both those computers, you could do the nice. ultimate dick. And, yeah. Well, actually, it, no, it was... not nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 nice for the person who owns the computers, not so nice for the person who's playing. And you don't get many games out of them before, before they get Well, obviously, and, yes. Yeah. Or, or they, they return the dick move in the favorite. The friend that I mentioned that, that we had sort of an arms race with computers, he, he was, he was and still is, um, he's a little bit older than me and a little bit more knowledgeable than me. And, and he, he was, he, he won up to me there and he actually managed to, to edit the file again and copy it onto my computer from, from my mother's computer nice. and annihilated me back. Um, and that, that brought both the computers to, to their knees. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's both the Command and Conquers, Red Alert and the original, both definitely 100% worth playing because they're free. You've got no excuse. Yeah, absolutely. If they're free, get it. It's, it's amazing. Well, not if, uh, yeah, uh, that's, it gets my seal of approval and recommendation. Strongest recommendation. Highest. Now, Okay, so we'll we'll move on through to to ninety seven now. Uh, I guess. Uh, do we even have anything to cover in ninety seven? Because as much as I like Red Alert, I have not played any of the expansions ever. Well, yeah, in the expansions were just adding more of the same. I mean, I don't really remember much apart from the aftermath. It involved ants somehow, and there was some secret thing where you could click on the ants and play an ant. Wow. Um, ant battle or something like that. I. I vaguely remember that. No, I have never even seen those like where I lived, so I could not get a hold of yeah. them. Yeah, uh, but I, I I didn't really play much of the expansions because I, I haven't completed the the campaigns in the first game, and I have a a thing where when I'm playing a game, I want to play the original game, finish the campaigns, and then move on to the expansion, mm-hmm. and and complete that expansion, and then move on to the next one. So I I haven't really played them. <laughs> so besides in multiplayer a little bit. Uh, but I believe they did they did add a, a few things. I think they added units and extra obviously extra missions. But I, I haven't played them enough to, to comment on them. But yeah, if if you can get them they're worth getting anyway because, well, it's more Command and Conquer. No, I I'll probably one day check them out when I have time. I'll, although I have the actual game. I don't I don't really need much you know, more content to it nowadays. No, no. It's sort of, if you can get it and you, you know, can get it for either free or cheap enough to not think about it, it's worth getting, but I wouldn't go out of my way to get them either. Well, let, let's, let's move on to, to a game that, that you suggest for the list. Oh, yeah. Um, Alright. Uh, this one is a really interesting one for me. It, it, it is, and it isn't, uh, yeah. There aren't, Many, I will start with the fact that there aren't many Russians made strategy games. And, um, 
certainly not that many ones, many for, you know DOS ones. There there are a few. There there's actually a very late DOS title in 1998. We had the RTS released uh, called Schwatka uh, Clash, but that turned out in retrospect to be a, a localization of an unknown Polish title. So that was licensed, <laughs> so it doesn't really count. And I never played it because it was so late. The the other sort of strategy title, there, there has been a few, and I'm, like, forgetting the names of some right now. Like, I can't remember. Like, there's one that's, like, unpublished or, like, so so poorly published that nobody knew it existed. And there's another one that people sort of express fondness for, and I actually still have the CD called Total Control, which is, like, a reunion type of kind of deal. But when you get to the battles, you actually control you see the battle play out. It's like a sci-fi planet kind of thing. And then you control the robots, but you cannot con- control them. You either, you let them run automatically and then you can select one and directly take control of that one from a top. You, it's really awkward, really poorly balanced. And I don't know what people find in it. But one thing that I did enjoy in 1997, it was a big hit, uh, from, uh, uh, publisher Doka company. It was big enough to be published abroad, which is why it's somewhat spread. Uh, it was a World War II historical RTS called, uh, Protivastayania, which got published as Counteraction Abroad. I enjoyed it at the time. It's a sort of an interesting RTS, which was supposed to be historically accurate, not just by battles, but also by how units interact with each other. Uh, and you can't build anything, so you only sort of play out those historical missions with the units that you're given. I will say it, it used to be fun. It actually has really good cutscenes and stuff, which uh, you've played the demo, so I, I guess yeah. you have not seen the, the cutscenes. They're actually pretty good. Um, and it's well-researched. came with this giant manual about sort of like the infantry and all the like, sort of the, the battle strategies and all the sort of like vehicles and stuff and tanks for, for both sides. Uh, very technical came in this giant box and actually had an expansion even. It was big enough to get an expansion that was called Burnt Snow, uh, which took place obviously during, you know, the winter. Now I find it really awkward for many reasons. Well, first of all, it's pretty difficult. In fact, it's very difficult. Yeah. It, it was like smashing my face into a brick wall. The, the particular curve was just... I. I I played the demo once and I got annihilated. Yeah, it's really, it's really so difficult. difficult. Uh, secondly, I don't actually think, especially when it comes to vehicles and infantry, I don't know how historically accurate it is. I think it's just very superficial. Like in retrospect, looking at it, I'm like, uh, I don't know how how much realism was actually programmed into that. Secondly, well, I mean, thirdly, I guess the and the biggest one for me, oh, the graphics did not age well. First of all, they they, oh, they no. picked no, they some not. really weird perspective. It's like not quite isometric, but not oblique either. It's like this really weird Ultima kind of thing. You know, like the way Ultima 7 looks? That's kind of the perspective that they stick with, or even Ultima now, 6. Now, I actually I actually haven't played Ultima 6. Oh, well... Or Ultima 7. This or is kind of a perspective. Game, oh, man. You gotta check them out. But that's, again, another topic. But, um, no, it's this really weird perspective for strategy. It's really awkward. And then and if you play for the Russian side, the infantry in, in green uniforms on green grass is nearly impossible to fucking see. Like, like I was playing it like last year for a little bit, take a screenshot of for Russian games. And I was like, what were they thinking? Like, 
Like it's near impossible. Oh. And again, I know oh, it they, might they be camouflaged. Yeah, they did for you. It's like it's sometimes you and if you have like one lone unit because they're in groups of like three or one, they're like in formations. If you have like several like green guys standing on top of the equally green grass, you won't be able to see them. Like you, you won't. Like it's 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 just like there's like one pixel wide faces. You know, like you'll be lucky to notice. So, yeah, uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I used to enjoy that game, nice to play it. But in retrospect, now, like last time I played it, I got really frustrated very quickly. Not just because of the difficulty, yeah. but additional difficulty on top of it. Like, like I was like, oh man, I have to play for the, for, for, for the Nazis as, as a Nazi is just, just because like I will be able to see them better on the ground. Like, I was like, I, I can't yeah. believe this is actually happening. Yeah. No, it sort of it, it was it was a very interesting one for me just just from a perspective of I'd only really played English uh, speaking language um, games so mm-hmm. it was just something very interesting for me but yeah as you said it was very very difficult and it was the difficulty curve was like me walking into a brick wall. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's how they try to portray realism, but it's cool. Like, you destroy buildings, you destroy bridges, you know, you cut off your, like, the you do stuff that you would do, you know, in the war if you didn't have unit building. Like, you know there are tanks approaching, so you blow up, you know, the bridges to cut off, uh, you know, your enemy and stuff like that to sort of minimize th- their potential income. And you're almost always at a disadvantage playing, playing as the Soviets. Um, yeah. so it, it is cool in concept, but I just say it, it didn't really age well. No. Unless you want to try yourself out at like, uh, very difficult RTS game. It's also made artificially more difficult by very poor graphical choices. Yeah. Well, I, I guess this will move us on to the last game on our list, which, um, I, I myself, I place in very much a, Real-time strategy genre, but yes, you know, I say up. yes because see yeah, that one okay. I will because they're well, we're, we're going to say that, that that game is Dungeon Keeper, right? And which yeah. is funny because it came out the same year. Bullfrog released Theme Hospital as well, and uh, yes. like the Dungeon Keeper actually himself makes a cameo in, in the Theme Hospital intro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you like waiting in the reception with a headache or something. Um, but yeah, and see, unlike Theme Hospital, which is just building and management. Dungeon Keeper combines that very effectively with actual, you know, battles. Commanding uh, yeah, combining yeah. the troops in so many ways. Oh, you take that one because I also have a lot to say. Uh, I, I, all I have to say is, um, I, I just want to repeat the the introduction to the first um, first mission, which will sort of give you a, a very good feel of the oh, yes. the game itself. It's set in the realm of joy. The people of Eversmile are plagued only by aching facial muscles and not anthrax as we had hoped. Eversmile is a disgusting land of good humour and polite frivolity. <laughs> and that that just sets the tone of the whole game. Oh, great. It's, it's re- really dark humour. Yes, even the intro, which looks like antiquated by today's standards, is pretty freaking great. Yeah, it's... It's just, it's dark humor, you play as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Which, which is the first thing that made it really stick out to me. But it, it was just so much fun. And it, it was the first, first sort of real 3D kind of strategy mm-hmm. game that, that I'd played. In that 
you could rotate the the screen yeah. to look at the map yeah. map from other. It had that. Uh, it's weird that that uh, bullfrog really only stuck with like the two main technologies. You can always tell that you know the bullfrog. 2D games are kind of those yep. games from like a building blocks kind of thing, like in theme hospital, theme park, or like, you know, let's say um, Syndicate or, or whatever. They all kind of have that same sort of feel. And so do Bullfrog 3D games because they all have that sort of magic carpet, like wobbly polygons yeah. uh, thing. And, and Dungeon Keeper sort of like is, the, is, is that 3D, but it's sort of like a happy ground in between uh sort of bullfrog 2d games because basically the gameplay is you have your dungeon and you build rooms in the dungeon and you uh, you sort of expand your dungeon by digging through walls yeah. uh, of that dungeon and you know the special rooms attract uh different creatures that you then use to fight off the heroes who come to in in invade your dungeon now Two things that are really unique about it. Well, not really unique. We already covered like at least two games that had, uh, the ability for you to drag the units. Your, 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 your mouse yep. pointer is literally your hand and you can just grab yep. the units and drop them where you want yeah. or you can slap them. <laughs> yeah. I love the slapping thing. I may have killed a few imps by slapping them a few too many times. Oh, uh, yes. It's, it's fantastic. So you can do that. And there is also a spell. You also have like magic that you can, um, you can yep. cast. And there's one of the first spells. Well, the, the first spell I think that you're given is you can literally possess, possess the creature. Oh, and all of a sudden worries. you're there from the first person view with their weapons or whatever they're equipped with. And you can directly control that unit. Uh, if it's to fight or to dig through walls and stuff, it's great. Sound effects are freaking amazing. Music is amazing. Yes. Graphics are freaking great. Although I will say that's the one where like the DOS version loses out a little bit graphically. Yeah. Uh, because the Windows version can, can be hardware accelerated and uh, adds a little bit more lighting and, uh, particle effects and, uh, all that, uh, uh, good stuff. But yeah, no, uh, Dungeon Keeper is great. It's also actually, despite its complexity, it's, it's, it's also pretty simplistic. You know, the, yeah, first of all, the interface is great. Like, uh, it's very, very yeah. accessible. Uh, you don't really waste time. Um, cause it does the tabs on the side, on the panel, and then everything else is just kind of contextual. Um, yeah. that's great. What, what, one of those things with the spells uh -huh. I'd just like to highlight is one of the, the room types is called a hatchery. And essentially all it does is hatch chickens for your, for your, <laughs> um, your creatures to feed on. And we, with that, I found out the hard way, um, as I was trying to possess one of my creatures that you can actually possess the, the chickens. chickens. <laughs> you, you, you can't control it. It just puts you into the first pe person view and it wanders around and pecks at the ground. <laughs> and, and, and it's just glorious. It's, it's so great. Good. Oh, this game is amazing. Dungeon Keeper gets like the highest recommendation. It's an amazing game. Oh, it's yes. just, it, it's got the personality that, that some of the previous games that we've discussed lacks. Yes. It, it's got, it's got the evil element. It's got some unique gameplay features for an RTS and it's just 
It, I 100% recommend mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Definitely. Get it. Give it a try. Get it. Uh, it's on GOG. You get the only the DOS version if you buy it on GOG because the Windows version is unstable. But somebody is actually making um, sort of... Uh, uh, not the source a port, dir- but it's a DirectX remake of it. Yeah. Oh, or oh, oh, they're, oh, they're porting the, it. It's they're porting. Sort of they're they're it hacking right. their original executables. Definitely, with I've I've seen videos of that version, mm-hmm. um, but I I haven't actually played it yet. That that I only just found that actually last night the the updated version that they're building, and but it looks amazing. It's what the original uh, sort of Windows hardware accelerated version. Uh, looked like, which is why it, yes. it, ran, it, it looked a lot superior to, to the, it just the thing is it's not it, it, it's not as well programmed as uh, as one would hope, so GOG is, uh, you know, covering their asses by just offering you a DOS box Yes. Dungeon Keeper with that uh, mod uh, highly, highly recommended Yeah, the, the game just in general, mm-hmm. highly recommended yes. it, It's good to be bad yeah, it, it is, and it's it's just, it's it's easy to get into and eventually gets hard to master, I guess, some, uh, once you actually get to deal with heroes and all that stuff. But it's very satisfying and it's just fun to slap the shit out of your units. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Um, well, that, that rounds off our list. So yeah. unless you can think of any other titles to, I, to I unfortunately make didn't, mention of. didn't mention, didn't, uh, have time to like just randomly look up like a list full of list of Darth RTSs and see if if there was some missing. I'm sure there were because there's like I remember quite a few games I played. Like there's this 1997 or 1996 game called Arsenal, uh, which is fucking awful. It's awful. <laughs> I remember playing in about an hour. All it amounted to build as many units as you can before your computer does, and then just send them to an opposite base. And if you if yeah. you spend one extra minute. If you're late just a little bit, the computer will do exactly the same to- thing to you. I don't know why they made that game. It's awful. <laughs> uh, I haven't touched it since 1997. And there's a few other games I cannot remember their names. Yeah, f- I, I can. I can. Life. I so they must not have been very memorable. Yeah, the, cu- coming in around, I think around the time of uh, Red Alert, or maybe a little bit later. A um, couple of games that I can think of is Crush, Kill, and Destroy. Oh, God, yes. Oh, um, my w- which, God. The first one is for DOS, and yes. it's an amazing game. It yeah, might not I, be I didn't very... get to play it much. I only played the demo. Oh, God, uh, no. Because I could yes. never find... I couldn't find a copy of the the actual game. Well, nowadays it's on dogs, thank God. It's really good. It's not revolutionary, but it's a very, very solid RTS. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other one that, that I thought of was... Um, a, a game that that my friend had, and I just thought, "What's this?" And it turned out to, uh, I found out recently that it's actually a DOS game. Um, I, I don't remember much of it. This was around the you know early Pentium Two era, mm-hmm. but um, it, a game called Earth Twenty One Forty. Uh yes, I have not seen that game. I, rem- I think I read the review of it in a magazine or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember it's... much of it. It just came across as very much a original Command and Conquer with nicer graphics, mm. and that's about it. But I will actually say, uh, like I before, uh, I guess we, we finish this. I do recommend uh, KKNZ. Like it's on GOG. Get it. It's it's really it's really fun. Uh, nothing new. You just build stuff, and you uh, 
uh, fight off the other faction. But and mm-hmm. with and there's FMV cutscenes and in, in in between. It's very it's pretty much command and conquer. But the graphics are nice. It's very well balanced and, and a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, all I really remember of it besides name is just that the graphics look good and I'd played the demo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, that's something that I intend now that I remember the name of it <laughs> to actually to hunt down and, and get a copy of myself. Alright, so. Well, um, uh, shall we, I guess, wrap up? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I mean, sure. uh, after that, uh, you know, the DOS era of strategy games was pretty much over yeah, and um i actually kind of also feel that in a few years after that the era of rts is sort of over yeah it's <laughs> sort of the the early windows 95 um 98 era mm-hmm. that that was sort of the era where where you had your starcraft mm-hmm. you had that was when it was the war. highest too like at its peak mid 90s was yeah. rts that speak there was a lot of it uh there's a lot of for windows i mean windows had some Great stuff. The uh, like yeah, the like Cave Dog Studios did the um, Total Total Actually, that's fucking great. Yep. Basically, mid nineties was the time for RTSs where everybody played them. They were like a hot genre, and there was a lot of innovation, really cool stuff. Even though they all sort of most of them, the ninety percent of them, sort of built their foundation was always Dune Two. Um, yeah, including the, there was a remake of Dune Two, which was garbage. Um, June two thousand. Yes. The thing is, so shortly after that, RTS somehow seemed to run its course. You have a few big yeah. big, big name releases. Warcraft Three brought something new, was a bit different in this, and of course you have Starcraft Three, which seems to be a big release, but I don't seem to ever meet anybody who actually is playing it. And that's about well, I, it. I play Starcraft Two a bit. Um, it's Starcraft Three. So, yeah, yes, Starcraft. yes. I mean Starcraft yep. Two. Yes, I've, I, I've played it a little bit. It's problem with it is it just seems it's it's Starcraft mm-hmm. with updated graphics and a storyline added that the like cutscenes mm. added. Yeah, I didn't. I never played it. So my thoughts on why RTS is not uh, very popular anymore is because well, two things. One is that I didn't think enough development happened in the genre. I mean, I, again, so many, so many things that can be traced almost directly to Dune Two. Yeah. Even so many years later. June 2 is a fantastic base to build off, but not a whole lot of innovation. Yeah, there, there, there's, there's that. There's a thing that the genre went kind of stagnant pretty quickly. Yeah, so that, that they, they, they refined rather than innovated. Yeah, and then there's an element that RTSs are not very console friendly. Uh, and yeah. even though there's a few good examples here and there, and there's like a, you know, like sort of like the, um, the sort of the overlord kind of kind of deal where that's something different you know like or overlord or i guess brutal legend uh yeah. is that kind of thing where that's trying to do something different for console kind of thing but it's 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 struggling so the, right now the genre uh, as, as far as i can tell is pretty much essentially dead um and they're still pretty difficult games to make so like you don't really yeah. see indie indie developers taking on their rts's so so hopefully one day it will be resurrected because I remember these games fondly, even though I suck at just about most of them. <laughs> I don't have enough patience or smarts uh, to to play those games. But yeah, at least there is. In the meantime, before the genre gets resurrected, there's actually plenty plenty of good both DOS and Windows games to to go through. There's I I can think of a good list of 
of like the early Windows generation ones. Yeah, I wonder. That there's lots of DOS, awesome DOS um, RTSs mm-hmm. that that are out there that that are well worth trying. Yes, absolutely. Well, well, sir, it's 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 been a pleasure to have you here. My pleasure. Thanks, thanks for being here. Uh, I don't even feel like I'm falling asleep. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to point out again, it's like I don't whether I recorded a podcast with Ben. I'm, I'm doing, I, I, I started at like five something in the morning. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's a bit, it's a bit hectic, huh? Yeah, a um, little bit. There's a bit of a time it, difference. Yeah, if we do this again, I, I'm, I'm happy to. Oh, I would like to have you again. It, yeah, there's, there, there's plenty of other genres that I can. Oh, yes. Um, speak on for a long time. I, I think I can talk about I think I, I already do, but I've, I am pretty sure I have enough. <laughs> uh, there's enough DOS stuff out there for me to talk about for the rest of my life, basically. So I got a few years left in me somewhere, so hopefully. So <laughs> I will do just that. <laughs> and dear listeners, if you have a topic for a podcast that you would like to discuss and can talk about for a couple of hours... Uh, somewhat energetically about, about, <laughs> uh, please hit me up on Twitter, uh, at Das Nostalgic or on Facebook or anywhere else where you can use the search engine of your choice to find Das Nostalgia and you'll find me there. Contact me and you could be here talking about stuff that you love or remember, uh, or uh, love and remember and want to talk about most specifically. Uh, uh, already, sir. Well, uh, thank you again for being here. Not a problem. It's been my pleasure. And uh, thank you to all the listeners who keep listening uh, to this podcast uh, or maybe even just uh, randomly stumble onto it. I'm glad that you've listened all the way through uh, and leave me a comment about RTSs that we forgot to mention or that you disagree or maybe you think uh, uh, Red Alert is garbage or uh, you think is uh, that KKND is like the best strategy game of all time. Leave it in the comment. I read the comments. I love the comments. Uh, love to hear from you. Alrighty. So um, uh, this is the end of another episode of the Das Nostalgia podcast episode 17. And hopefully... Uh, uh, we'll uh, hear each other again on another episode of Das Nostalgia. Goodbye.